Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacken here, my good friend uh, and co-host of this podcast, Travis Grins, joins me. Travis, how are you? Snowed today for the first time. Yeah, it did. Yes, it did. Uh, it's supposed to. St. Cloud's supposed to, is in a winter storm watch as well. So, a lot of fun. A lot of fun here. Snow in October. Yeah, you're, you're, you get a lot more snow than we. We just got a little bit today. We got some rain yesterday, so let's get some more rain tomorrow. And you know, like Watertown, maybe Brookings, Madison, up north, Sisseton, and then yeah, you guys, and maybe sounds like uh, maybe Southern Minnesota got some stuff as well. We kind of missed out, which is fine. Yep. But uh, yeah, we got uh, yeah, so some winter storm advisories and things here. Uh, three weeks in October. Yeah. Uh, nothing says I, that. Does that just not capture 2020 in a nutshell? Having snowstorms and winter storm watches and advisories in the middle of October. We do remember the the big blizzard of '91, of course, and uh, yep. I was Halloween of '91. Yep. And we're still, you know, 10, 11 days shy of that. So, in some some spots, set some records for earliest snowfall or of some significance, you know, three, four inches. Yeah, this is the earliest for for some spots. I would assume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. And I know the cities, uh, parts of that, uh, parts of the cities got upwards of eight, nine inches of snow. I think one place got ten. Um, Minneapolis St. Paul Airport reported seven point nine inches of snow. Which I mean, just just say eight at that point. So, yeah, it's definitely early, and uh, it sounds like another round's coming. So. Buckle up! It could be in. We could be in for a long winter, but maybe that means people stay inside. That'll help COVID. Probably not, but whatevs. Um, Want to start out a little differently today or this week? Um, we lost a great. Uh, we lost a couple of sports media members. One died. One retired. So uh, we'll start with the. The, the legend himself, Sid Hartman, the late Sid Hartman, who passed away on Sunday at the age of 100. He had a column in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. I joked, I think, with Marcus and Will Rottler that, uh, and Shane Koob that I hope he didn't die watching the Vikings because that was a terrible game by the Vikings on Sunday against the Falcons. But Sid Hartman worked at you know, the Minneapolis Star Tribune, I think the previous Minneapolis newspaper, Minnesota newspaper, for 76 years. I mean, he he was a pretty, he was very professional, but 76 years, he just loved doing what he did. He hosted a radio program. It wasn't all, it was sometimes tough to listen to down, the, you know, the, the stretches he got older and whatnot, but there's no denying just how good of a person he was and how big of an of a, an icon in the mini in the Minnesota sports landscape, uh, Randy Moss uh, really loved him. Uh, one of the few media members that Randy Moss loved. Um, but it, it's it's really tough to put into words just how much Sid Hartman meant to mini uh, to Minnesota sports. Got to a point where he didn't think he'd ever die, and of course he would die this year of all the years. Yeah. He uh, had a hip surgery a few years ago, and he figured, well, that's the end. Where he's like 94, 95. It was a few years ago now. He had that hip surgery. I'm like, well, that's it for him. But no, that wasn't it. He kept going. 
And it got to a point where, like, well, he's not going to retire. You know, 85, 90 years old, but I'm only just going to keep on going literally until he dies. He yeah. worked there. I don't know how much work he actually did there at the end of the jury. Somebody else was doing his columns and, and whatever else, how that works at well, the end there, but... Yeah. They helped yeah, him. I think he still was doing a majority of it, but in terms of like the editing and maybe getting it, uh, like transcribing the questions and stuff. But he was still an active part and had, had an active role in his column. Doing the interviews and all that stuff, and yeah, I remember him as a kid. I went to him on TV once in a while, and all the things about him. Yeah, it was it was interesting, and I. I you know I, I never met him. I was around him once. I was really close to him one time. You were at a at a gopher game. Okay. In 2012, so what he would have been 92 eight years ago. Did uh, the Tennessee State game versus the Gophers, okay. and like what would astonish me about him is like he would be at like every game, mm-hmm. all these games. Like why would you go to Tennessee State versus the Gophers? So uh, Drew said he covered a game. Back in 2010, I think for the Argus uh, against the SDSU and the Gophers, and he was there for that one. So if you could skip a game, you'd probably skip a game against Tennessee State or South Dakota State. But he mm-hmm. was there for those games, and 90, 92 years old at the time, and there he was. And I'm like, wow, man, that's that's him. That's him right there. Well, he'd be at all these games, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure anybody's ever. Covered more games or better more games. He, he saw a lot of things mm-hmm. and uh, never saw Vikings uh, Super Bowl, which uh, which didn't happen. And I don't think well, will ever happen. Well, he saw some Super Bowl appearances and saw some Super Bowl games, but no no victory. Then see see the Vikings win that thing there. So yeah, fascinating career and it's kind of the thing that I just don't know about him. Like things with uh, him and the Minneapolis Lakers back in what the fifties, fifty. His involvement there, and him and Bud Grant uh, were good friends, apparently, and when yep. Bud Grant's at least going to be in his early 90s, too. So, yeah, it was uh, sad to hear that a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I don't. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see anyone who uh, works in at their job until they're 100. Certainly not in the sports uh, journal, you know, sportscaster industry or sports journalism industry um i saw myron medcalf who uh works at espn now covers college basketball he um worked at the star tribune uh did the gopher beat and he talked about sid hartman sitting next to him every uh gopher home game so i mean and that would so that would include football and basketball i mean i mean the gophers would probably play the likes of southeast missouri state and you know uh, mississippi valley state and there's you know there's sid hartman there i mean he's just he's an icon uh amongst the the minnesota the minnesota sports scene and um i think i mean he certainly will remain relevant his son uh does some stuff uh, their host hosts a radio show, and uh, I think I mean Sid Hartman was just well liked. I mean, you don't get that with person with media personalities. There's always uh, someone who who will rub you the wrong way, but it doesn't seem like Sid Hartman had many enemies. No, yeah, seemed like uh, I read a few stories here the last couple of days of kind of pranks people would pull out on the night. Kind of gullible and things like that. He 
didn't have much sort of sense of humor, it didn't sound like, so people could maybe get him, get him that way. But uh, yeah, he just, just keep going and going. So, uh, R.I.P. Sid Hartman, uh, the Minneapolis sports scene, uh, at least the, the columns and stuff will never be the same again, especially in the Star Tribune. Uh, the other one who retired, and I, I must admit I was a little surprised by this, but not stunned because I wondered how much longer he would have left in him was Doc, the, the great Doc Emmerich calls uh, hockey and hockey's a very tough sport to call because of the fast-paced action you just have to be so smooth when calling it and no one did it better than doc emmerich he is retiring from nbc and don't know who's going to take over uh the odds on favorite would be kenny albert with maybe mike tarico uh as a possibility though it sounds like espn is now trying to get back into uh the the fold with trying to broadcast nhl games uh, once NBC's package expires, so I don't know if you know if if that's going to play into any significance at all. But uh, I know you aren't a big hockey fan, but certainly uh, you can appreciate, uh, especially you being the announcer of the Colonels and stuff, just how great of a job that Doc Emmerich did uh, in terms of broadcasting hockey games and just the passion that he had and being able to, being able to make it. So flow so easily and almost conversational when he's when he's yeah. announcing these games. Yeah, all the words he would use, like he became a big deal here recently, and I looked at his bio with, like I don't remember him until like I don't know ten years ago or so. Like I don't remember him. Apparently, he did the games when Fox had it, like twenty years ago. He did the games on ABC. Yeah, like I do not, I never heard of this guy until. Whenever, like, last 10 years, everybody's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the greatest announcer that's ever been. Like, he was good, and he's fine, all that. And uh, he used a bunch of verbs and adjectives, and, you know, all the, all the words that he used, and he was good at what he did. Mm-hmm. But I, I never heard of him until, like, here in the last 10 years, and all of a sudden, oh, Doc Hamrick, he's the best ever. Like, who, who, who is this guy? What does he do? Apparently, he's been around for a long time. I just never heard of him. Yeah, I, I must admit, I didn't know he did games on Fox. I knew he p- did games for MSG. He was the, I think, the devil's play-by-play announcer. Um, so I'm familiar with him. He even did, even did like football games for like uh, CBS, like in the eighties and nineties. Huh. He did Brett Favre's first game. No shit. <laughs> he was doing that for what was that on? Probably on CBS. Probably yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. So like, like, he was he was a lead play by play guy for the NHL on ESPN back in eighty six to eighty eight before our time with uh, your favorite Bill Clement. Yep. Yep. And Gary uh, Thorne. A lot of the Olympics, he was a lead play-by-play guy. Mm-hmm. The lead play-by-play guy for NHL on Fox games of the week from 95 to 99. I don't remember that. I don't either, to be uh, honest with you. Then he called uh, a few playoff games. They didn't really do much there when ABC got to hockey in the early 2000s. Then mm-hmm. I guess when I went to Versus, he became the guy, and then that transitioned into NBC. Yep. I guess uh, since 2008, he's been like the guy. So like probably 2008, 2010, that's like, oh, Doc Emmerich, people talk about him. It's like, yeah, I never heard of him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was with CBS. He called uh, NFL games. He called the NCAA basketball games. Jeez. Uh, They mentioned, uh, no, what, 92 would have been Farmer's first game with the Packers. He was on that. I don't know what uh, NCAA basketball games he called, maybe in the early 90s. 
he worked the Olympics. Um, but yeah, he was a guy who got very good at what he did. Uh, let's see, yeah, I guess he called four games in 92 and then three games in 93 um, for CBS. He called Vikings-Packers week one of 92. He called Vikings-Buccaneers. He called Vikings-Raiders in week one. Seven games, seven NFL games he's called. Three of them were with the Vikings. Holy cow. And there were four, yeah, three of them were with the Vikings, three of them were with the Packers, three of them were with the Buccaneers. So for whatever reason, he was kind of like, I don't know. He got assigned the NFC Central beat. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much an alternate there. Um, He worked with Matt Millen in 92 and Hank Stram in 93. So he called seven uh, NFL games for CBS, 92, 93. And yeah, he was really good the way he could weave in and out in uh, hockey. I I don't know enough about hockey to do hockey. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be fun to do, but I don't ever think I I would do hockey. I just don't know enough about it. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's very fast-paced, and it goes minutes at a time without stop because it's you know similar to basketball. But it just goes and goes and goes for you know two, three, four, five minutes at a time. Sometimes without a stoppage, and you have to know the, the rules, and you have to know uh, the players, and this and that. And yeah, he did. Uh, like sometimes he'll just talk forever, and yeah. uh, he was very good at that. Yeah. Um, so. You know, you lose a you you lose a legend in the sports uh, writing business with Sid Hartman, and we're losing a, a legend who's just not not dead, but just uh, taken off the headset. Um, so uh, I you know I don't know if if the whole NHL playoffs being in you know September, August through October and him not being able to be there played a, a role in this at all. He was getting up there in age, but uh, certainly the great Doc Emmerich will be missed. Uh, the Vikings suck. We know that. Uh, and Krins, I gotta tell. I, I gotta tell you, I am frustrated with all of these Vikings fans taking to social media. And I get that. I get that they're frustrated. I don't think any. No one saw a one in five start coming, and the defense playing as bad as they they have been. But. If you just look at everything that's surrounding this season, looking at the fact that there were no preseason games, looking at the fact that the Vikings don't have a home field advantage, looking at the fact that Daniel that Daniel Hunter, their best defensive player, uh, maybe outside of Harrison Smith, and Anthony Barr, a very good linebacker, that they're done for the year, that you're working in all these rookies and you didn't have any game time to get things done. Um, I... I don't understand the the calls for Zimmer to be fired. Um, I would say that, especially after he and uh, Spielman just signed extensions, I would think you give him next year. Like next year would be the ultimatum year. Like you need to improve and stuff. This cannot happen again. But just considering everything that has happened with the NFL season and stuff, or you know everything leading up to it, I. I just don't understand the calls for him to be fired. Or I guess I don't, it's not that I don't understand. It's I, I don't agree with them. And I don't, I think people would be, um, yes, he get fired, but then they're going to bitch and complain about the defense here in a year or two without the guidance and tutelage of Zimmer. It just, to me, I think they don't appreciate just how much Zimmer's done for this team. Hopefully, I think this is maybe the fringes of, of, you know, 
social media, I think a lot of people say, oh, yeah, yeah, like Twitter and Facebook isn't real life. And maybe some of it is, but maybe some of it isn't to where you got the extreme folks saying, oh, we got to do this and get rid of this guy. And, and this is a lost season, so like, what the fuck does it matter? Okay, they lost to the Falcons. Terrible. Not good. Uh, we're not competitive in that game. At least they, they were competitive against the Titans. In the Seahawks. And in their previous game, they were at least competitive against Houston and all these other teams. Mm-hmm. They won those games. Like, here they weren't competitive, but like, I, I don't care. You know, it's like uh, the Seattle game. They lost. They should have beat Seattle. I don't care that they did. What the hell does it matter if they win? If they don't win another game the rest of the year, I couldn't care any less. <laughs> if they go 8-8 eight and eight or 1-15, and 15, whatever, it doesn't matter. Defense got to get better. Like, they're not going anywhere. They're not winning at any. It's like, just improve, get a bunch of rookies. They got a brand new defense. You got to get those guys developed. Looks like you just drafted the best receiver in football, so that's exciting. And yes. You're kind of in a waiting pattern here trying to get rid of this fucking quarterback that's not good. <laughs> yeah. So as long as, he, as long as he's around, your, your ceiling is, <laughs> is limited, and he's going to be there at least next year, maybe for two more years. Hopefully next year is the final year. This thing just hasn't worked out, and... There's nothing you can do about it. Changing the coach isn't going to change this. No. Changing the quarterback might. Getting the better defense might. Changing the coach isn't going to fucking matter when it comes when it comes to this deal. Well, see, I, you know, like if you hire a guy like Eric Bieniemy, it might change the offense. Maybe Kirk Cousins would thrive in an offense re- surrounded by no. uh, by. Uh, Eric B. Enemy. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there as a possibility. Well, I don't get about him. Like, he, he's not their offensive coordinator. I guess he is by name. He, he's not calling the plays, is he? No, I, I don't think so. I think it's more... He he installs the game plan and stuff, but Andy Reid, I believe, is the play caller. We saw Brad Childers. He was the offensive coordinator, and he, he was not very good. Um, I guess it would be the same, though, like, the enemy... It, it, like, it, it would be the same thing as uh, Matt Nagy. The head coach of the Bears. It'd be like Adam Gase, who's not good. <laughs> I think. Um, I think how is he not fired? Like you know, Bill O'Brien got fired. I can understand that. But at least he won division. Like he won the division just last year, didn't he? He did. Yes, like, he did. Yep. He won a playoff game last year, didn't he? He he, he did. Yeah, he he beat Josh Allen. And he fired him, and, mm-hmm. and he made some bad moves and some bad trades and. It's not like Houston's getting just throttled here. Houston's been in some games, and they, they got rid of him real quick. Yeah, I think, um, and they had a very difficult schedule to start the year yeah. out. I mean, I think they fired him more because of his of his GM moves and the direction the team was going, not necessarily his coaching. But I know, you know, he's maybe, a difficult guy to get along with. Maybe take away the GM duties and say just coach and see how that works. Mm-hmm. But... Like, Adam Gates, how does he have a job? Like, how did he get hired first off? How did the Jets hire him from Miami? I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, like, he should be fired right now. That is a awful, awful team. And he's offense. And their offense is void of talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's void of anything. A dreadful, dreadful team. I mean, one of the worst we've seen in, in a few years. Yes. This is, uh, they're, worse than the, they're worse than the 0-16 Browns. Yeah, they're bad right now. Um, I heard a rumor like, you know, the Cowboys should trade for Sam Darnold. Like, you got 
he'd make the playoffs here and trade for Sam Darnold. The Jets shouldn't want him because there, there's nothing he's going to do. Mm-hmm. That's going to this this third year, and they're going to they're, they're going to get the first pick. You know what that's going to do? They may as well say, uh, trade Sam Darnold to a team that's in desperate need of a quarterback now, like Dallas, who at least has some expectations. Uh, I would be in, in favor of that, but I don't think that's going to happen. W- would you take but, Sam Darnold if you, if the if the Jets offered the Vikings Sam Darnold? Would you take him? What am I giving up? Uh, maybe they don't have a second round pick this year, so let's say a third this year and a third next year, two thirds. Yeah, I can't wait. I do that. Yeah, or a, I think a like even pick, a third I think and a second. Second round pick is kind of. That was worth the first. I think a second round pick is kind of that. You get Sam Darnold for a second round pick, I would hope. Now from two thirds or something. I mean, you give him Kirk Cousins. Say, I'll just trade you straight up. Well, Kirk Cousins. And so when we were talking about trading Kirk Cousins a couple of weeks ago, I completely forgot yeah. about San Francisco and San Francisco. how much Kyle Shanahan, you know, loves Kirk Cousins, uh, thrived with. Uh, Kirk Cousins in Washington, and I believe you like Kirk was going to go to San Francisco before the 49ers traded uh, for Jimmy G from the Patriots. Like that was, I think, the the plan initially. Um, so Kyle Shanahan and like I to to make it all work and stuff. I would think that the Vikings would either have to take some of the the cap space on, or they may even have to throw in a draft pick just to get rid of Kirk. Uh, to the 49ers, but that's a possibility there as well. Uh, just because it, I think the the 49ers aren't set on Jimmy Garoppolo, so maybe I don't know. Maybe you do a, a QB swap, though that doesn't pr- probably make a ton of sense. But he's making a lot of money too. Yeah, yes. So yeah, that that that's why I'm saying it might not make a lot of sense to just do a QB swap. But I mean, if it all depends, really, on where the Vikings land in the draft order. Now, if somehow, by the grace of God, you know, the Jets find a way to man- manage to win two or three games, and, you know, the, the Vikings are kind of sitting in there with, you know, in terms of tiebreakers and stuff, maybe they somehow, you know, get that first pick. Then, of course, you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, but I... Maybe the Vikings draft third. You know, do you do you try and see what you can do to trade up? I mean, the Jaguars have a bounty of picks. Maybe the the Vikings want uh, Justin Fields uh, in, instead, or maybe they say, you know what, let's let's kick the tires on Trey Lance here and and see what we got. Uh, you know, home state product and everything. Uh, maybe you could get recoup a bunch of picks from the Jaguars, but they. I, I don't know. I, the Vikings are in a very difficult spot right now, and it's because of the the anchor that is Kirk Cousins and his contract. But, I mean, just by somehow, if they can f- figure out a way to finagle a trade up to number one to get uh, to get Trevor Lawrence. Well, I, I mean, that, I that's think, not, I, number I, one, sticking him and they're not trading. I know. But, okay, but you, you mentioned the Jets, and yes, I mean, they'd be stupid not to... To, to take Trevor Lawrence, but they are the Jets, and they do have a good quarterback in Sam Darnold. So that's why you can't blame Sam Darnold for the Jets' issues because he hasn't been surrounded. Like you said, they're a void of talent. So Sam Darnold has not had a lot of weapons 
to which he can throw to. Or, you know, the Le'Veon Bell situation was a complete and utter disaster. Uh, I mean, there's just, there's so many things to look at that you can maybe say if you're the Jets, what if we traded back and got, because we have the, but if they have the quarterback and then they can recoup a bunch of picks, uh, I know they, they got a first rounder from Seattle for Jamal Adams. If you can get more picks and maybe go the Jaguars route and draft a bunch of guys to help fill in the roster spot, and if you have that quarterback, I'm just saying it's a possibility. Um, I, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to get the Vikings the number one overall pick, Chris. I'm really trying. I'm trying my they best. Gotta, they got to lose the rest of our games. That's what's got to happen. Um, Put the Jaguars game in prime time. Put the Jaguars game in, no, in what is it, November or December. Put that in prime time for the, the first overall spot. Under your scenario, you are hoping that the Jets make good moves to get good players. I know. It's it's highly unlikely. Or they either stay where they're at, pick somebody who people think is going to be good, and just go with him. Maybe it could be an Eli Manning uh, draft day sort of deal where he says, I don't want to, Trevor Lawrence says, I don't want to play for the Jets. And the Vikings like, okay, we'll give up a first-round pick next year to take Trevor Lawrence, and we'll uh, we'll draft you a, a quarterback or wide receiver, whoever you want. Um, let's have that happen. If, if You mentioned how the Adam Gase hasn't been fired. Who are the Jets going to put in place for him? A Greg Williams? Oh, I don't think so. I don't think that is... Uh, they don't have anyone really suitable to take Gase's place. Oh, okay. I, uh, to me, that 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 he'd probably be the guy though. He, would, he if that were to happen, he would yeah. be the guy. Yep. Um. So he's all good. Yeah, you can't do that. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, he's terrible. Like he is really one of the worst ever. You just look at at his record and uh, how many games he's lost and how they're lost and like they're all by double digits. They're mm-hmm. all by it's over seventy five percent of them. Are. Like he loses lots of games. By a lot of points. Yeah. And he looks, looks like a shithead. Um, there's a press conference there with, with him a couple of years ago on his eyes and yes. his face. Yes. Like, what an eye. Like, alien. He, look, he literally looked like an alien. Yeah. He literally looked like, what in the hell? <laughs> he's the guy that was in Denver, and Pete Manning's their offensive coordinator there. You're not doing a damn thing. You're in the room with him. Um, but, like, don't hire guys that, like, don't have any say. Just because some guy is with the team that's good, well, well it's what, what impact, what, what is, what is he, what input does he have mm-hmm. on this team? Yeah. So look, look at guys that actually do something like Zimmer. Like Zimmer obviously has an impact and has been good everywhere he's been. So yep. that'd be great. And there's not a lot of guys like him out there. And there's not a lot of quarterbacks that are out there right now that interest you because quarterbacks, good quarterbacks, are not available free agents. Wise. Kirk Cousins was the best one in a long time, and he's been okay. Yep. So, unless you draft a guy, it's not going to happen. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. Also, I'm, I'm, I'm not on the Trey Lance. I'm not on that. We'll see how we do it. They're just like That's the, the experience. Like, you, who, like, who could possibly know how good he's going to be? Like, he's played what? A season as he played 14, 15 games, whatever it's been. Yep. Like, geez, he's, he's going to go. Mm-hmm. He's going to play, what, as a redshirt freshman? He's going to play as a redshirt freshman. So he didn't play, uh, he played high school football, and he didn't play for an entire year, right? 
I believe so, yep. And then he plays last year, and then he's going to go essentially two years or a year and a half between games, and everyone's going to pick him is probably going to sit him. Yep. So between it is so between it is a national championship game in January and he had the, like, the Central Arkansas game a few weeks ago, between that and the next time he actually starts an NFL game, it's going to be at least three years, isn't it, between starts? Um, maybe with January of 2020. If they gave he's not going to play in 2021. Uh, the, the earliest he could probably start an NFL game. 2022. If he play next year, you would think would be September of 2022, mm-hmm. which would be two months two or two years and yeah. eight months. Yep. Yeah. It, it's almost two years. Valid points. Valid points. Um. Like maybe he'll be. I mean, there's maybe he'll be good, but I, I don't know how anybody could say he'll be good or, or not. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't know. It's like there's. Like it's, what can you take from one year of FCS football? At least Carson Wentz had, had played. He, yep. he played a bit. He played yep. two, three years. He played a while. Yep. So no, I, this I, guy. I, like, I who the hell knows? I, I agree. The sample size is small. Um, it's a lot of risk. Sure. It's a lot of risk for somebody who's going to be taken in the top ten. The upside is there. Um, you know what upside means? It means he's not there yet. It means that he's very inexperienced, and we don't know if he's mm-hmm. going to be good. Right. No. It, everybody that everybody that has upside is very young, uh, very inexperienced, and might be something someday. Um. But we don't know, so we yep. use the word. Uh, we use that word instead. So mm-hmm. he's got a lot of upside, which is code word for he's very inexperienced and he hasn't played a lot, and he might be good years from now. My mom mentioned the other week that his brother uh, set a school record because brother is a wide receiver at Marshall. Set the receiving uh, record oh. for in a game, so. Trey's brother. I hope that the University of Minnesota may come beckoning, or maybe uh, he'll probably go to North Dakota State and stuff. But uh, I mean, you never know. Uh, but Trey Lance's brother is quite good as well. So see what happens there. Anything else football-wise we you want to get to? I mean, the Buccaneers stomped the Packers. That was wonderful to see. Uh, the Chiefs ran it 46 times Monday night. The Cowboys are a complete joke. Uh, any any other football talk we need to get to? Uh, Tua is going to start next yes, week. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, it, uh, the, the Dolphins are on a bye this week, and then Tua gets the start in there uh, afterward. And it sounds like this is not based on Ryan Fitzpatrick's uh, play, but it, they were just going to wait until Tua was ready, and they've deemed Tua ready to play. Uh, uh, Las Vegas Raiders had a few COVID cases with their offensive line. Oh. Um, it was a big game this week for the division lead, perhaps, between 1-5 and five New York and 1-4-1 one, and one Philadelphia. Oh, my God, what a terrible game. I do, on a Thursday night, no less, I do like that the Giants can be 1-5 and five and be going for the first pick and also be going for the division lead. I, like, I, I hope this happens. These teams are going to start playing against each other, so they're going to have to win some games here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboys, Washington... They play, so at one, two, three, 
four or five. These, these teams have combined for five wins this season, so they're going to have at least two more wins this week. So they're going to, what is it, seven and nine? Is the division winner going to be seven and nine? Up at you, best. You, you think at least seven and nine. That can't be a six and ten. There is a there is a chance that there's a no there's a chance it would be probably, you know, seven and nine eight and eight. There's a chance that the division winner could be four and twelve or five and eleven. There is a chance. I, I would assume six and ten would be the worst case scenario. And you assume it's either going to be Dallas or Philadelphia. Like Washington, no Giants, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And Phillies have got the uh, Phillies got off to some. Some bad starts this year, and they had the tie against Cincinnati. I mean, Philadelphia's had some close losses. Yeah, they've played Baltimore much better the last week. few weeks. Um, yeah, Dallas and the Eagles play here coming up. So if, if Philadelphia can win these next two, they'll be three and four, three, four, and one. Um, so, so we're we're getting there, I think. And I, I think. Uh, Philadelphia, they're going to win their next three. They've got Dallas and the Giants. Giants twice. So I think they're going to win their next three games, and they'll be four, four, and one. And, you know, I can maybe win, you know, seven games. Maybe it'll be six, nine, and one. Maybe that'll be good enough. That Cowboys Eagles game is on Sunday Night Football, too. In Why a couple of weeks. Be? Why <laughs> oh. would it be? <laughs> oh, my well, God. Steelers, Steelers Titans at 5 and 0. Steelers Titans both at 5 and 0. Yeah. I don't know if Tennessee's any I don't, know, I don't think Tennessee's any good, but they're five and all. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, 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 they beat the Broncos by two, they beat the Jaguars by three, they almost lost to the Vikings, they almost lost to Houston. Like, I don't think they're any good. Like the Bears, I don't think the Bears are any good either. But uh, they're gonna make the playoffs. Like like have the Bears ever been good? When the Bears have been good, have they ever been good? Uh, 85. <laughs> any, any time uh, since uh, since Reagan was president? Um, um, no. Whenever, whenever they're good, they're like this. Yeah. Whenever they're good, they're like this. Why, why is that? For 30 years now. I don't know. They, whenever the Bears have been good, the Bears have been like this. They're, they're, you can't watch them. The quarterback's not very good. Their offense isn't very good. Their defense is usually very good, but like, I, 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 I've never watched the Bears, and I'm like, this is fun. I like watching this team. I hope they do well. <laughs> I never see them. I hate this team. This sucks. I don't want to watch this. Yeah. Um, that Monday night game in a month ago, my ass going to be horrendous. That's on my birthday too, Krenz. That's like that. Well, that's that's it, I, what would, a... I would suggest doing something besides <laughs> that. That's not. That's not going to be any fun. Game last week wasn't any fun. First two games of the season wasn't going to be fun. Uh, that Bears game Monday night. That his cousin was going to throw for hundred yards in that game. He'll get his Kirk, Kirk Cousins is very good at garbage time stats. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the game, oh, two hundred and fifty yards and a couple touchdowns, like. Yeah, all those came when they were down by four touchdowns. So he's very good at the end of the game, racking up a bunch of points and yards. Patting those stats. To, to make it look a lot better than it really is. But the Bears are always like this. They are. Um, it was nice to see Aaron Rodgers get his ass kicked, though. Um, 
it, it just doesn't. Yeah, how, how dare you? How dare you? It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. Um, are we kind of off the Josh Allen bandwagon? I'm not. Uh, it's been two tough weeks. I never got on it. I never got. You know, my I never got on it. Okay. All right. I, I just didn't know if you I were becoming a fan because of how well he was doing in in fantasy. I, I was uh, looking at Joshua, Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert this week, and I, I didn't put a put a claim in on. I don't know if I would have gotten up, but he was someone I was looking. I'm like, I I need to pick him up. I think he'll be okay. Just in case, Mister Mister Big Laramie here starts to return to Laramie status. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at guys like like what uh, Derek Carr is. I guess out there be the next best option. But um, I was hoping I was hoping for uh, for Herbert. But uh, I'm going to roll with someone. Am I against you this week? Is that is that right? No, 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 no. Michelle, is your, is that your stepmom? No, no, it is not. Uh, it's someone that uh, my my mom works with. Okay, so Michelle's going to lose this yeah. week. Crins, <laughs> my well, team is good. so terrible. I just. The decision to not take Alvin Kamara haunts me. It just haunts my entire season. All right, here we are. You're 1-5 as well. Oh, hello, you guys are hurt. Michael Thomas. That's one damn thing. Michael Thomas. That was, what, was that your second round pick? That was my first round pick. I took him over Alvin Kamara. And he has got you one point this year. 1.7 yeah. points. Yeah. Ben That's just, not good. No, it is not. Uh, Three months, three months, and he's well. My, my, the problem is my running backs outside of Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is very good stuff, but the other ones like they split time, and even Aaron Jones split some time with Jamal Williams, but he's the the big dog. Yeah. Um, you know, my wide receivers are are fine, but they're slightly inconsistent. I never should have gotten rid of Hayden Hurst after the first week, and then you scooped him up. So I have him now. Yeah, I, I know. Him. Yeah, he you, did, you, did you, you, you took. Okay. Yep, that was my fault. It's just, it, you know what? I'm just shocking this up to 2020, and I'm looking forward to, to, to making some changes next year. Next year's a new year. I, I play your wife next week. Um... Anyway, no, do I? Yes, I do. And Kyler Murray's on a buy next week. Yeah, that's uh, uh, uh Will Fuller also on a buy, so that's that's good for me. Got to play Ryan Tannehill. That's not good uh, for you. <laughs> DK Metcalf, he might have to play him. He, he's good. So her team's she, good. Yeah, she's she's three and three. She's having a, a solid year. Her team's a hell of a deal just, just to make the playoffs. I like that. Yep. I like that. It, that's what I've always liked. It's it's not a given that you know four teams get in. It's actually have to be good to make mm-hmm. the playoffs. Yep. Uh, I'm not giving up hope yet, but uh, I, I actually I am. Like my team, the Vikings have a better chance of making the playoffs than I do of making our fantasy playoffs. That's eh, just a no. Fact. You got a better chance. Well, <laughs> you know, I got Daryl Henderson from the Rams. He's done okay. Got Mike Davis. He's done good for Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go as far as Wyoming takes me, so if he starts to turn the shit, I'm in trouble. Uh, but he's got the Jets this week, and he's got Seattle in a couple weeks. So maybe uh, maybe get back to, to new new Wyoming form, because old <laughs> Wyoming is bad. So. You know, though, um, yeah, it hasn't been good the last couple of weeks, but look, I mean, he's played some very good competition. 
uh, in Kansas City and Tennessee. So being able and the the Seahawks are good, but they have a terrible defense. Uh, and so yeah, I think I think the Jets is going to be your litmus test. If I mean, if he's if he doesn't play well this week, it's it's going downhill for you from here. But that's the one surprising thing about the the Dolphins uh, going to Tua is that they're in the mix right now for the AFC East crown. So why would you go away from Fitzpatrick? And they're only a game back of the Bills. Like, you know, you know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. So, you know, you got to know what he is. He's fine as a... If he's your starter, that's probably not good. No. But he's a guy there to, like, he, I mean, sure, I'm sure he's disappointed. So, like, he's very disappointed. Because they were doing well with him, and they won a few games. And, but, bye week, and you want to get him going, and if he's ready to go, you get him ready to go. Uh, with the bye week and like this he's the future of your team and if you're going to be good it's going to be because he's going to be good so if he's ready to go I have to get him out there okay uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. The Vikings are on a bye this week, so thank goodness uh, we don't have to watch. Thank God. Jesus Christ. Yeah, thank goodness we get to... I watched, I watched the first quarter and uh, the fourth quarter of this game. I missed the, I missed the bad stuff for the most part. Um, yeah, I, I don't care to watch. Who do they got next? Who do they got next? Uh, at Green Bay. Oh, Roger, that'll be fun. That'll be fucking fun. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then they're home to Detroit. I mean, that's a potential win. But even, yeah, I, I like my chances against Detroit all the time. <laughs> and, not this year, but... And then at Chicago. So, uh, two and seven staring oh, you know, right in the face. That's two and seven. Like, there were a few years there where things got really bad um, for the Vikings. Or like, in the early, mid-2000s, things were not good. Yep. Um, so hopefully this is just a, a one-year thing. Yep, a one-year reset. One-year reset. I think that's. Yeah, a one-year deal. You know, defense get this thing going again, and then figure out the quarterback situation. Um, but yeah, the, the interest is bad right now. This is not fun to watch at the moment. This yep. is. So, so don't watch it. It's just bad. Yep, it is. It is very bad. Well, let's switch to something a little happier. Well, I don't know. I didn't want the Dodgers in the World Series, but the Braves choked, as Atlanta sports teams tend to do. Uh, did they choke, or did the, the, did the Dodgers win the NLCS? The Dodgers 3-1. Like, you know, whoever lost this series was going to choke, I guess. If the Dodgers are going to lose off, they did it again. Yep. And if the Braves are going to lose the lead off, 3-1 lead down, and the Braves couldn't do it again. So I think either way, that was going to be the, uh, an option. Okay. Um, but it was, what, game, game five, they were up maybe 2-0 in the third inning with a guy on base, and they, yeah. they didn't win that game. And game six and seven, boy, that's, that's rough. That is rough. The... It, for Atlanta. I, it was either between, I mean, great defense on the part of Mookie Betts uh, to in the outfield making those catches, but it's also terrible base running by the Braves. I think you have I mean, it, it's equal parts to me how and and those decisions, you know, the, the bad base running and stuff that swung momentum for the Dodgers. You know, let's think about it. Like if was it Acuna uh, that 
Ronald Acuna that didn't tag up. Uh, uh, Ozuna. On, I think it was Ozuna. It was Ozuna. They do that. They win that game. Yeah. They don't do that. They win the game. Yeah. It was a one-run game. If they score, they win the game. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't make that, and then you rarely, you rarely see that happen. Yep. And there it was. And Jesus Christ, that's 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 a killer. Yeah. That's a killer. And we nearly had a, an epic comeback by the Astros to take down the Rays. Uh, but fortunately, yeah, uh, fortunately, Tampa won that series, and uh, we all know who Randy Arozarena is, and he's fun to watch. The, the Rays have the pitching to take down the Dodgers, but the Dodgers are such a complete team that I am taking the Dodgers in, unfortunately, five at most six games just because uh, the Rays, when they were in the, the World Series against the Phillies before only won one game, I just sense that the Dodgers, after being able to win that game and Cody Bellinger's home run and separating his shoulder and popping it back into place, and then he hits a, a moonshot in game one, I just feel like the momentum is clearly with the Dodgers, and they're finally going to get over the hump and win the World Series this year. It feels like the Dodgers are going to win it, finally. Uh, Tampa, Tampa's a good team. They, they've proven they're, they're a pretty good team. But I'm, I'm, I might go sweep. you going five, I might go sweep. Okay. With this one. Uh, it feels like Boston in 4 they come back against the Yankees and they, I think they swept the Cardinals one eight in a row. So, and then Kershaw pitched well. Um, so that might be his only start. And then they do get days off in the World Series, so that's good to see. Yep. But, yeah, five games, maybe a sweep, we'll see what happens. Uh, so I hope it's a longer series, but the, the Dodgers, they, they gotta do it here. They, yep. they, they just have to. Yep, if, if not now, if not now, when? I think if, if if not now, it might not ever happen. Uh, um, at least not. Ratings ratings were very good for Game Seven, and they were about the same for Game One, which were not very good. Well, okay, so you're you're kind of piggybacking though off the football crowd, which helps, and it is a Game Seven. I mean, Game Sevens always do well, and. Um, Game one, I mean, part of it is the Rays. I have to imagine that that factors in. Um, you know, we'll see what happened oh, with game two here. But, uh, was it 9.2, 9.2 million watched game one, which is the lowest ever for a World Series in any game ever. Do you th- but 9.6 million watched Game 7 Sunday night, which is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. But that was really good because it wasn't a World Series. And Game 7 of the National League Championship Series outdrew every NBA game this year. Well, that's that's encouraging, I guess. I mean, I don't know how to take ratings for 2020. I think, you know, certainly... the po- all out, basically. The, I think the political... Uh, the nature of everything, especially with the NBA, has hurt. But I think you know, just in the pandemic and stuff, I, I, I don't. Ratings just aren't going to be as good as they are in normal years, and we'll see what they are like, like going. Okay, we got. Is, is it because there's no crowd? I, I, I guess. That, like, why? I mean, that that plays a role. You know, politics and the news, and they're getting big ratings, and yep. Presidential. The Dodgers raised, but maybe they'll get a game over ten million in the series. And the NBA Finals were a disaster. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, 
I know it wasn't on during its normal June. Like, even if the NBA Finals was on in June, I don't think it would have cared anyway. So it's like, like, why are ratings down? Like, football, I assume they're down a little bit. About 6%, I think. Like, is it? And, you know, a lot of stuff is not happening when it happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know if that's the reason you got these horse races that do big numbers. and They did big numbers, but not nearly what they usually do. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's because there's no people there. Is it because it's out of season? It's all of these things. I, uh, I, don't, like, I don't know why. I think it's, it's still out there, but we don't care as much. I, I'm just going to chalk it up to you know 2020 with the virus and everything. You've got a bunch of natural disasters, fires burning out west. You have hurricanes hitting the south. You have... I think people kind of cutting back on some things, you know, cable being one of them, cable sports are just, you know, it, it, in general because they're, they're trying to cut costs. Uh, well, we're seeing, like, ratings go down, like, 50 60% yeah. here with uh, Stanley Cup playoffs and, mm-hmm. and things like that, like, literally cut in half, you yeah. can understand, a little bit, or maybe, you know, 25% down, but yeah. some of these are way, way off. I think that, you know, playing in at a different time is a factor and like you said playing with no fans I I work with someone who said I don't like watching games because there are no fans it just takes away that energy and I I absolutely agree with that why have the Vikings why are the Vikings 0-3 at home this year because they don't have fans I don't fans. know if it, I, I don't know I mean the fans I, I don't know I guarantee you Chris, I think the Vikings are the, bad the, I don't know if they would have won any of these I bet they, they would have beat they what they, they they beat the, the they beat the Titans. Titans game, maybe I don't know. Yep, they beat the Titans for sure. I think they maybe beat the Falcons, but the the fans there provide a difference. It's just a different energy. They, the, the athletes I, don't have to create their own energy, uh, you know, when the fans are there, uh, like they do now. It's just it's different. So I think I think that is a factor. Like the good teams are good. Ultimately, the good teams are good and the bad teams are bad. Like, Seattle's got, like, this home field advantage, but they're 5-0, and, and and the Chiefs and whatever, like, and we got, apparently, the best two teams in baseball playing in the World Series. Mm-hmm. And, like, the Lakers were the best basketball team, and they ended up winning. But then, ultimately, talent wins out, but the crowd is a factor, but I don't know if it's, maybe it affects one game a year, ultimately, I don't know, but I just don't know why we were without sports for quite a while. I don't know if people figured it wasn't that bad or they're just not into it now. I don't know. Because I was into baseball. I was like, baseball's back and I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm not into college football because it's like some teams are playing, some teams are not. Like some teams are going to play eight games, nine games. I, I just don't know. It's, yeah. it's not a good time. No, I, but I think, I think you're... you're your point is exactly right. I think it, I, there are a lot of factors that there are a lot of factors that are going into these ratings, and if people want to watch football or, or sports or not, it's just it's a different time. And I think once things get back to normal, and who knows when that will be? Maybe that's not until twenty twenty two. We'll see what twenty twenty. It's not next year. I mean, next year, I think we're going to have the same thing unless there's a vaccine coming here fairly quickly in the next nine months. I think we're going to have. More stadiums with like ten thousand people in them. Yeah, yeah. I, 
yeah, it's going to be a challenge. So I don't know what that's going to mean for sports. I mean, hockey seems to hockey initially said, "Oh, we're going to start our season December first, and then that got pushed back to fe- to, to January first, New Year's Day. Start with the New Year's Classic, and then I've kind of heard. I think uh, the the Vegas Golden Knights general manager said, or maybe it was the owner say, "Yeah, oh, maybe February first because it depends for the NHL on when you can get fans into the arenas because that's how you're going to make a good chunk of your money." I think that's the way the NBA's got to look at it. I think Major League Baseball has to look at that. The salary cap in the NFL, I think, could go down to $175 million, and that's because you don't have that extra revenue coming in from the fans. Uh, so it, it is going to play a large part in when these uh, when these leagues start up again next year, and that'll be d- depend on a virus or a, a, a vaccine for the virus and just what what 2021 can bring so uh interesting stuff there it's gonna look a lot like this year except the seasons are gonna be somewhat more on time like baseball can be on time Mm -hmm. like basketball hockey is gonna be a little delayed but i just don't see you know you you get a few people in but as far as the stadiums that are filled Mm -hmm. i don't see i don't see that next year I don't see that. Yeah, I, it's it's going to be interesting. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to hold anything. Um, I'm not going to get my hopes up for anything, but I'm not going to hold... Um, anything is possible. Uh, that's that's just where it's at. Uh, the bad thing is, we're what? What are we now? We're... 30? Seven two? months into this? Seven oh, months yeah. into this thing? Yep. And... And a lot of spots, this is worse than it's ever been. Like, how are we seven months into this? Like, we've just given up. We're seven months into this, and it's worse now than ever. Yeah. And we took all of these precautions early on, when it wasn't that bad. And now it's ten times worse than it was way back when, when we actually did something. But now we're not doing anything now. Like, we're saying, wear a mask. And people don't want to do that, so it's... It's not, not good. No, it is not. Uh, it's it's definitely one of those times, a dark time in history, and one that, uh, you know, kids will look back at in school in, like, you know, 20, 30 years and say, what the fuck, 2020? Like, just, what's going on with people in 2020? That's what it, that's what they'll say. That's what they should say. Um, but, yeah. Uh, college basketball, though, is coming up here in a month. That's exciting. Uh, this guy, Zeke... Uh, Mayo, is that what I believe that is his name? The kid from uh, Kansas coming to SDSU. I'm jacked about him, pun intended. Uh, he looks like he's the real deal. So uh, it just makes me excited for college basketball to to get back in the swing of things. Yeah, we'll see how college basketball goes. Um, Gonzaga is going to play Iowa at the Pentagon. Yep. Broadcast on CBS. Gonzaga might be one. I won't be in the top five. So there's that. More big time games. So I don't see how. See the the summer league is going to have. Uh, we're going to have conference schedule where you play teams back to back at one location. Mm-hmm. So that'll be different. Um, we'll see how that goes. So they're going to they're going to give it a try. I've nearly gotten my regional. Uh, breakdown done. I just have to make some divisions. 
up or break out the divisions, but it's it's all complete and it looks good. I think I've only had I added maybe one additional conference, so there'd be one less bubble spot. But um, it's there. Uh, we'll we'll post something on it here and uh, discuss. I think it I think this would work and it would make sense uh, given the times that we're in. But see what happens there. Anything else we need to get to before we say so long? very cold here now, it's very cold, it's in the 30s, and uh, there's supposed to be a cross-country, the state cross-country meet's supposed to be in Rapid City Saturday, it's supposed to be 28 degrees. Perfect running weather. Like, it's cold outside with a jacket on, and these people are going to be out in their shorts, so I don't know if this is going to happen or not, we'll see, I would advise it not to happen for common sense reasons so that's gonna that's gonna happen uh we got football playoffs starting tomorrow there's been nine games already that have been moved either up or moved back to friday because of weather and snow mm-hmm. uh one team has forfeited their playoff game already the avon uh, in the south southeastern part of the state avon they weren't any good anyway they were two and seven okay but uh, they are they are bidding out of the playoffs so instead, the alternate is Esteline Hendricks, who is one in seven or so on the season, one in six, one in seven. Wouldn't this be a good it's year not, to just like to sh- uh, shrink the bracket a bit? Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be a good idea. Because Esteline Hendricks has been outscored like three hundred and twenty to thirty-five or something like that, or forty-four. They've been outscored by nearly three hundred points. Oh They're my! Gonna play. They're gonna play a game tomorrow or Friday, so. Yeah, eight games due to weather and an additional game. Uh, our, our first team, Avon, who's probably going to lose anyway. Uh, they have their season is done, so they are, they are forfeited. So that that has come into effect here. Yeah, it'll. It's going to be interesting to see how that. I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't shrink it down a bit. That doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. But oh well. Uh. It is what it is. So, uh, uh, where are you calling a game this week? We're home tomorrow night. Thank mm. God. Had to go to Pier, which was only two hours away, which wasn't too bad Friday. So, got a home game against Huron and playoffs next week. If Mitchell wins, they go to Sturgis, which is not good. Yeah, you don't want to go travel. back there. <laughs> I think they can beat Sturgis, but if they win, which I think they will, I'll have to go to Sturgis again, which is not good. Uh, if they lose, which they also could, and then go back to Pier, they could beat Sturgis. They can't beat Pier. So, if you're going to go off to Sturgis, you better win that game. Because I don't want to drive eight hours back and forth to Sturgis to do a game where they lose again. Yep. So, I guess if you're going to win against Huron tomorrow, and then go to Sturgis, may as well win that game too. So. Yep. Yep. Better be win. Exactly. Exactly. Well, good luck on the call, and uh, we will uh, chat with you next week. Good luck in fantasy, and uh, yeah, that's about it. That's what I got. Anyway, 13 days away. 13 days. Very exciting. Yep. Very exciting. It is. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right. I'll see you later. Travis Krenz joining us here Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. Uh, so good stuff there. Good conversation. Uh Football eyes got the World Series, 
and uh, ratings wise, there's a lot of factors going into into this. A lot of different circumstances, um, and we'll see what what happens here going forward. Uh, you can listen to this podcast and any of the Sports Block podcasts just by going to podcast.com, searching for it. You can also follow me on Twitter at ndstacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Twitter for Travis Krins is at Travis Krins. And we have a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Uh, more to come, though. We have some college football talk. We're going to do that with Charlie Hildebrand, our resident college football expert. And we'll uh, wrap up, make some picks. We'll see if Noah makes an appearance this week. I'm hoping so. But you never know with the toddler. So that's all coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, talking more college football. And who better to do that with than our resident college football expert, Mr. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review. Charlie, how are you? I'm good, Stacking. It's always a good day when we can talk football. It is. It is. Uh, we're going to get to our Big Ten preview here in a little bit because the Big Ten plays uh, football this upcoming week. And I believe there's another conference, too, that might be starting. Is it maybe the Mountain West that's going on? Uh, maybe? I think it's the Mountain West. I, like, all the conferences are playing. I don't remember if the dates when they all start, except that, obviously, I know Big Ten is this upcoming. Yeah, so we'll I get... I think you're right that it's the Mountain West, though. We'll, we'll check that out here as we go along. Um, is, it, is it fair to say that... You know, if we see an upset happen in college football this year, that maybe it's not quite as big of an upset as we think it is, given the state that uh, that college football is in this year with the pandemic. Because, you know, North Carolina loses. Uh, I mean, they, they rallied, ultimately fell short. Auburn loses. Tennessee gets their doors blown off by Kentucky. Um, I mean, is... Is it fair to say that maybe we're just in a year where upsets don't mean quite as much? In general, I think that that is correct. I mean, I think they still mean something, but they're a little... I think we should be a little less surprised for the most part. There's still... I mean, if Vanderbilt beats Alabama, certainly if Rutgers beats Ohio State this year, I mean, those ones that are like, wait, this is a once every 40 years kind of Yes. Yep. Like those ones, I think we still should be, unless it's a case where we know that one of those teams is, you know, missing 15 starters or something like that. But outside of that, I think it is, it's a little bit less impressive, but I don't think, at the same time, I don't think we should take anything away from the teams that do it either. I mean, it's not their fault if the other team is missing some players or isn't as focused as they would normally Yep. Um, and I agree with that. Um, but I mean, like South Carolina, probably, especially when you're playing interconference schedules, like for the entire season, it's and not everyone's playing. It's a little difficult to figure out what is truly an upset. Like I don't think Auburn is that much better than South Carolina. South Carolina won by eight. Maybe Tennessee was a little overranked and shouldn't have been the 18th best team in the country. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you still don't lose at home by 27 to Kentucky, but that's what two pick sixes will do for you. Um, I mean, Notre Dame struggling with Louisville. I don't uh, – yes, the you know, they did win 12-7, to but and, and that was a huge well, barn burner of a game. Notre Dame and North Carolina did not look like the fourth and fifth best teams in the country. Yeah, oh, absolutely not. Um, 
So, yeah. It, Auburn, well, I, I, what you said about Auburn, I think is true, but I got to give a shout out to my guy with the favorite, my favorite name this year, Auburn running back Tank Bixby. That is a sweet name. <laughs> and I hope he goes on to be fantastic this year and the rest of his career. Absolutely. With a name like Tank, uh, he's either gonna he's gonna do very well either in football or the army. That's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if football doesn't work out. I mean, you can always try to get a career with the Pentagon. Exactly. Or just build tanks. Yeah, just build tanks. Yeah. Just get your engineering degree. Um, is it fair to say I was all on board the pirate and Mike Leach and you know KJ Costello after week one against or after their first game against LSU? Uh, has the novelty rubbed off on or worn off? I should say regarding. Mike Leach at Mississippi State. They'll be good down the line, but this year seems kind of like a lost cause now. Yeah, I think we should refocus that. You know, I, I don't remember what Mike Leach was his first year at Texas Tech, but they certainly were not the Texas Tech that they ended up becoming after five or six years. And I know they weren't good his first year at Washington State. And I think that first week uh, against LSU was definitely a large amount of fool's gold for all of us fans on how we thought their first year would go. And I think we just need to kind of reassess and reevaluate where they're at. Just be like, oh, they could end up being good. They're probably not going to be very good this year, though. No. Which is unfortunate, because it was fun, the idea of them literally starting the week by beating the defending champs in such like a slam dunk way. Mm-hmm. But it turns out they were not dunking on a 10-foot hoop, and they were jumping off the trampoline first, and we didn't realize that. Well, like 36? The clever editing. They, 36 straight drives or something without an offensive touchdown until they got one late, and that was after they pulled KJ Costello and put a new guy in. I mean, that's that's insane. It's not what you would think from an offense that generally can score points. Now, I mean, like we both said, it's year one. There's a lot of new stuff, and there's a lot of kinks to work out in year one, but it's still very surprising to see them have that much trouble to that degree. How surprising is has Arkansas been this year? Are they the surprise of the college football season? That's a good question. I'm trying to think just through my head of some other teams. I think... Coastal Carolina think could come to mind. That's that's true. I would say Arkansas is the, sp- the surprise, like in terms of a good surprise. Yes. In terms of like, oh, hey, they're pretty good. Well, I would say Oklahoma's a surprise in the back at this point in time. Yep. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, Memphis and UCF played a well, great game. Oklahoma and LSU surprising a bit. Yep. But LSU, when you're looking at it, you know, what, five or six returning starters on both sides of the ball combined? I mean, that's... you got to yeah. think they're going to take a slight step back there. I mean, for I, sure. I, I, I agree. I mean, even still, I, I thought they would have a better record than they would. Like, I, I wouldn't have guessed that Arkansas would be above LSU at this point in time. Right. In the year. But, but certainly, I think if anyone was thinking, oh... Even with fewer games, they're going to rattle off, you know, like, uh, I don't know how many games they're playing in the regular season. Ten, I is think. It, is it ten? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's all different this year, and I forget which one's which. But yeah, if anyone was thinking LSU's going to rattle off a 10 no record, I think they were, they were, they were either, either crazy or they lived in bad parties. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. Um, what was I going to say? Here, let me keep scrolling up. Oh, oh yeah, Memphis and UCF played a hell of a game, uh, and I think UCF squandered this game. Um, they've done that twice now. They've done that twice now. I mean, they they inexplicably lost to Tulsa at home, and now they lose to Memphis. I think UCF's a very good team, but you can't have these losses if you want to be 
considered one of the better um, non-Power 5 schools. And, and keep yourself in the uh, conversation of being uh, one of those schools that should be invited to the non-Power 5, you know, bowl game or whatnot. Or yeah, even, they're clearly not going to this right. year. Right, yep. Mean, I think- I mean, when Chris Peterson was at Boise State, I mean, I know Boise State never played national by the game, but whether you liked him or didn't like him, you had to at least take him seriously until they lost the game. And UCF seemed like they were, there were years where they were as good as some of those Boise State teams, but you haven't been able to do that year in and year out if you're a group of five school. Like, certainly they've been good since Frost left. I know they were really good uh, two years ago in Heifel's first year. But you got to be able to keep doing it. You know, like you said, you can't have you can't have conference losses like that. If you're going to lose, you got to lose to you know Ohio State by three points, and you kind of got screwed over by the officials at the end. Mm-hmm. If you really wanted, like, if you want to be at that level of no, we're the top, we're the top group of five team, and we're technically not a group of five team because we're better than all the best. It doesn't it doesn't work when you're. I mean, any running emphasis is good. You can't do it like that. Uh, Nights. So the the Vikings lost to the Falcons and were embarrassing on Sunday, and I feel okay with that because it means that they just have to get by the Jets for the number one overall pick. And after seeing Trevor Lawrence absolutely destroy the Georgia Tech secondary or just flat out you know the defense in general of uh, what 405 passing yards and five touchdowns in the first half, I mean. Can you put together a more a, a better performance? He did throw one pick, uh, almost a year to the day when he th- threw his last pick, but you could not look any better than Trevor Lawrence did and solidify yourself as the end all be all number one overall pick in next year's draft. First off, you don't you don't think Kirk Cousins has got another five years as the starter in Minneapolis? Hell no. He looks really good. I don't want to say he's the definitive be-all, end-all, number one. I think he probably will be, but we've seen this before, where if you're the number one guy and they spend so much time picking you apart, and then whether they believe it or not, people will start saying someone else should be the number one pick. If anything, just because they get bored saying it's the same guy. I mean, we had it with Robert Griffin III and Andrew Watt, and I think Andrew Watt was the best prospect at quarterback we'd seen since Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. So even though I think Trevor Lawrence is certainly the number one guy as of now and probably will end up being the number one guy, assuming it's not a weird situation where the number one pick doesn't need a quarterback. But I would imagine if Justin Fields doesn't fall on his face, people will start trying to make the case that Fields deserves it more or some you know, defensive lineman or something. But, but to your point to what you said, Lawrence looks really good, and I would not want to have to be a defensive player that tried to defend him at all this year. They put up 73 points on the road against an ACC team after taking their starting quarterback out at the end of the first half. They even had, what did I think I heard, their, their punter played a little bit, and he threw? Like they, yeah, I was going to say that that was the game that they hit the punter in, and the punter was thrown past. When yes. your punters in the punter like is lining up at quarterback, not because of a fake punt. But right. it's lining up that quarterback and throwing passes. Something's either going really well for you or really wrong for you. And obviously, it was the good side for Clemson. Just uh, unreal here. Uh, and then the big game, Georgia and... Real, real quick, yeah. just on Clemson. Yes. 
when we sort of adopted Clemson as the sports block team or yes. sports lounge team, I forget which one. Both. But back in like 2010 or 2011. Yep. Did you ever think they would get to this point that they are now? I did. I definitely did not. <laughs> no. It, it honestly, they Clemson was to football back then as Villanova was to college basketball, where we're like, okay, you know, they're gonna. You know, we're still waiting for them to break through. They have the talent, but they're likely going to lose in the first round of the of March Madness, or they're not going to get through the first weekend with Clemson. It was going to be like, okay, maybe you'll get to the uh, to the playoff, but you're going to lose right away or get to the national championship and ultimately fall short in humiliating fashion. And they, now they are the ones who are humiliating everyone else. It's it's staggering. Yeah. I think other there, there was that one year. I think it was when uh, it was the last year. I think that they had Taj Boyd, Sammy Watkins, mm-hmm. and I think they beat Ohio State in the Orange Bowl, and that was like the first big time bowl game they'd been to in a long time. I thought that was like the peak for Clemson. It was going to be like, oh, okay, like every five years we might be able to do something like this or make a run at like an at large bid or win the conference with two losses. And I, I thought that was the. And clearly, they burst it far, far, far past that. Yes, and when I was watching this game on Saturday, I think it was Dan Orlovsky uh, who said that he thinks in the next four or five years that Dabo Sweeney's name is going to get mentioned in the realm of best college football coach of all time. And now, like right now, that's like Nick Saban, and it probably will be Saban for many, many years. But if Sweeney continues the run that he's on, and that would include taking Saban down in another national championship and maybe winning another couple. Is he going? To, should he be in that conversation? I mean, he could be. First and foremost, you got to win more national titles. Yes, he's got two. Two already puts you on a short list of like incredibly good coaches. I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy and like right. poo-poo on only win two. Yep. But like just off the top of my head, besides like Nick Saban and Bear Bryant, I don't think Tom Osborne won three at Nebraska. Urban Meyer won two at Florida and one at Ohio State. So that's at least two guys. Uh, Osborne a little bit longer ago, but, but two guys within the last 20 to 25 years, I know that have won more in addition to Saban who's still coaching. So Certainly, if he wins more, he's going to climb higher up the list. And he definitely could win more, but it, it's tough for me to say he's going to be better than Saban mm-hmm. or as equal Saban. When I think Saban has, I'm trying to, some of, I think he's got six total, and two's really good. And if he would end up with three or four, that's incredibly fantastic. And I don't want to poo poo on him, but. Yep. Like Saban and, and, and even what Bear Bryant did are just he he's still got a ways to go to get to that point. Like he's reached he's reached like the penthouse area and then he's he's gotten past, you know, the the bouncer to the VIP room specifically in the penthouse area. But you still gotta make your way into the jacuzzi where there aren't very many people there and there's still some some dudes in front of that. And I think this weird, like swanky Playboy mansion thing that I up yeah, and I didn't even consider him being in that discussion, at least not within four or five years. Uh, so when Orlovsky said it, I kind of had to stop and think. Well, I mean, he the the run that he has had in the in these last five, you know, six years or whatever is really staggering. I mean, I don't 
I mean, four national. Yeah, you know, he's in rarefied air with yes. the run that he's had. Yep, between the college football playoff uh, appearances and the national championships, and the way they're just destroying teams. I mean, North Carolina is the only team that's really given them a scare outside of LSU beating them last year in the national championship game. But in the last couple of years or whatever, it's the game against North Carolina last year is their only close call, really. I mean, it's just it's remarkable. Yeah, they've taken over the ACC in a way Florida State did, like in the 1990s. Mm-hmm. And it just where, or like USC did, maybe even more so than USC did with Pete Carroll, because they would pretty consistently have like well, that one weird loss each year under Pete Carroll outside of their two national title years, but. But yeah, I mean it's it's impressive, and like I said, and he's he's really good. But to get, I think he's he's probably he's got to win at least one more, if not two more, to to like I would say that at this point, even though Urban Meyer started a leg up because I think it's easier to win at Florida and Ohio State than it is at Clemson, and what Sweeney kind of did changing the uh, the culture there. But I, I would still put like Urban Meyer and. Tom Osborne ahead of him right now mm-hmm. just because they've, they've won more national titles now I wouldn't be stunned if he found a way to get to more in the next five or six years I cannot wait for uh, that game against Notre Dame in a couple of weeks provided that Nor- Notre Dame does not lose here between now and then and, and if they don't play like they did well, I don't I don't think it's going to even be close I mean it's going to just for the, the the ranking sake, you know, you're going to have number one versus pres- presumably number three or number four. But I think Clemson's going to go. I'm, to... I'm going to say like number two versus number four. I think Alabama. I guess I looked at the polls. Clemson's today. Clemson's number one. They got 72. Number one, Alabama didn't jump them. Nope, 72 first place. That surprises me a little bit. 72 but okay, fair. 72 first place votes for Clemson, eight for Alabama. I mean, it's just remarkable. Uh, All right. Well, okay. That's that surprises me, but yep. If that didn't change it, I don't think there's going to be anything that changes their ranking between now and then, unless somehow they lose. I I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna go to South Bend and, and lay an egg at all. I think Trevor Lawrence is just going to torch Notre Dame, especially because Notre Dame only beat Louisville twelve to seven. I mean, again, it, it it's this this Clemson team is just so good, so loaded. Travis Etienne is is fantastic. So we'll see what happens. Travis Etienne's fun to watch. Is he like the most underrated running back of like the last ten years? I think he's, where he's so good. Yes, and then it's just like oh, but he just doesn't get the credit that he deserves because he's got, you know Trevor Lawrence is there. Yeah, yeah, and that, they've got a good defense. He's often overlooked, but he's been, yeah, and he doesn't have to play in the second half most games. Did you know he's the ACC Offensive Player of the Year in back-to-back years? I knew he won it last year. I didn't know that he won it the year before. I didn't remember that at least. So you think about that, you know, how good he's been in the ACC that he's won these awards. He decides to come back for his senior year, focus on pass catching, because, I mean, he's going to be the first back taken in next year's draft, more than likely, and probably a first-round pick. But, I mean, for him to do that and, and still be in the shadow of Trevor Lawrence, it's... It's stunning, really. But yeah, um, they are number one. Alabama's number two. They beat Georgia forty-one to twenty-four, and uh, Stetson Bennett the fourth. A very uneven game. Uh, definite roller coaster ride. He made some really good plays. This game started out very badly for 
both teams, Alabama throws an interception, and then Georgia returns the favor a few plays later. But Georgia had the lead in this game. It was 24-17. to They had scored a, late, a touchdown late in the first half. And then I don't know if their defense just got a little lax or, or what the deal was, but they gave up a field goal at the end of the first half. And I remember thinking to myself as I'm watching this game saying, that is a that could be a momentum shifter because instead of going in with a seven point lead and your defense had been playing so good, you give up the like 40, 50 yards or whatever to Alabama and let them get a field goal off. And this, it, it, they're at, Alabama's got a kicker now who can make a 50 plus yard field goal. So I mean that's that's news and headline yeah. material right there. That's scary, yeah. yeah. But just. It, it's just that little bit of those extra three points there with the limited number uh, amount of time that they had at the end of the first half there that I thought really changed the dynamic of this game as the second half wore on and then you got the turnovers and stuff and then once I mean Alabama they're like sharks in in the in the water when they when the there's blood and everything they smell it they're ready to attack and that's what happened here in this uh, in this situation. Yeah, you can't turn it over against Alabama. Their defense isn't as good as it has been, but I think part of that is just schematically that if you do what they do on offense, especially, I think it's really not hard to have a good old-fashioned defense. But if you force turnovers, I don't think it matters. And their offense is so good. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I don't have stats in front of me, and I don't want to get into advanced stats. I don't know what they look like. And also, they may prove me wrong, and I feel bad, but... <laughs> like the way the Alabama and stylistically it's much different from the offense I'm going to compare it to but the way they can just score in bunches and have like the name power and good guys back from last year although their quarterback doesn't have the name recognition as this other guy but they kind of remind me of that 05 USC Reggie Bush Matt Liner team like, like I said not stylistically in the way they play offense, mm-hmm. but in terms of you watch them and then it's just like, oh my god, it's just an avalanche of like, there's nothing you can do to stop these guys. Like, even if you stop them for a while, at some point you're going to make a mistake, and they're just going to make you pay for it. Like, Georgia, like, Georgia might be the best defense in the country. Yeah. They scored 41 points against them. I mean, so we know that Alabama's produced a lot of great wide receivers. Jerry, you know, they, they, I think it was two receivers they lost in the first round or first yeah, two rounds last yeah, year. Yep, Henry. And, and like literally, like, oh, and, and also lost Tua, yeah. who, you know, was arguably the most talented quarterback they've ever had. Yep. And I think he's more talented than Mac Jones, but it looks like Mac Jones isn't too bad himself. And they're just like, oh, yeah, we're still fantastic and we're still Alabama. Oh, yeah. That's right. Let's just go out and be the best the best offense in the country that's there. Yeah, I mean, you lose Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, and then you just replace them with the guys they have. You know, Waddle's very good. But then also think of the running backs, too, that they've had over the years. Trent uh, Trent Richardson, not you know, he didn't pan out in the pros, but, you, you know, like Derrick Henry. And now you have this... Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram, yes. Now you have this uh, Naheem Harris. I mean, he's phenomenal. This Alabama yeah. offense, this is Alabama offense could be as good as any offense that we've seen uh, from a Nick Saban-coached team there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, the way around the when uh, Lane Kiffin was there, they sort of kind of switched what they did offensively. 
and have really gone to like the extreme of what other offenses do in terms of like spreading people out and not doing what they used to do with the three yards in a cloud of dust. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is like the most talented version they've ever had, but obviously they're not lacking talent. But it seems like, I don't know if it's just the the chemistry or the coaching or what it is, but it still seems like the scariest one. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, like if you would, like, I, I don't know if there's anybody in the country, if it would be like, hey, for one half, can you hold them to 24 points? And I know Georgia did in the first half. But I don't think there's anyone that I in the country that I would just be like, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure they can hold Alabama to 35 this year. Like, like it could happen, but there's nobody I would bank on as just like, oh yeah, if Ohio State played them, Ohio State can hold them to 17 and be like, nah, I don't think so. Not mm-hmm. not unless they had a bunch of guys sick with the coronavirus. Exactly. So uh, that was a very impressive win. And you know, again, Georgia's probably going to face them in the SEC championship game. Maybe Florida. Uh, speaking of Florida. I, I oh, real quick, just with, yeah. uh, on Georgia. Yep. So, Georgia Tech, as bad of a loss as they've ever had before. Yep. Georgia, not as bad of a loss as they've had, but when you're talking about going on the road up on Alabama at halftime and the way they lost, incredibly painful. Yep. And then you throw in what the Atlanta Braves did, and you throw in what the Falcons did, getting a win to maybe take themselves out of a hundred warrant sweepstakes. It was not a good weekend for the state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta. Yeah, yep. <laughs> That's at, Atlanta sports and or Georgia sports and Minnesota sports have a lot in common. They really do. Uh, I didn't think of that, but you're right. Some, something happened in that Twins Braves World Series and sent both both states on a weird path. Yes. At least the Braves, you know, that, that, that sent them on like the 14 straight division titles, but they only won one World Series in there. Um, so yeah, just just a really crazy, and I think Georgia is going to be just fine in all this. And to go to Florida for a second, and I don't mean to to make this a to a joke because COVID is a very serious situation here. The coronavirus, COVID nineteen, it's bad. But after Dan Mullen's comments last week about you know filling the swamp up and you know covid be damned or whatever you know whatever his analogy was he tried to backtrack that on wednesday but that's kind of after the uh, the outbreak started with florida and then they blame you know it going to texas a&m and going on the road there well maybe it's because of all the people that were in the stands there you dumb shit and now coach mullen gets it and to be honest i don't really feel that bad about it like i, I hope he recovers just fine but he if there's anyone who probably kind of deserves it in the college football world, it it was him because of the dumb comments he made about filling the swamp up just because the governor said it's okay. I understand what you're saying. I don't want to say it's any, that anyone deserves it. I don't want to go down that road. Yeah, the problem, but I that understand was, what you're saying. That's a little strong on my an, part. I apologize. It is incredibly ironic. I, there's no way yes. around that. It's one of... It's probably it, it is perhaps the most ironic thing we will get in college football all season. Yes. Oh, and and Nick Saban getting the positive test on what Tuesday or Wednesday, and then three consecutive days of negative tests, and then you see him yelling at the rest without his mask down. That's a terrible look. I have to I just it, it's not a good look for him doing that. Um, and do you think he should have coached in that game? I. Let's put it this way. As, as the son of a doctor and a nurse, I feel like I know enough to say that I don't know enough about the coronavirus to 
definitively say, but if he had three straight days of negative tests, I would assume that his one positive test was a false one. And, like, I, God, I gotta be careful how I say this, because I, I don't know what they would say in terms of, like, the CDC and stuff like that, but I would assume that if you would... If you have four tests and three of them say that it's one way mm -hmm. and the other one says it's another, it's probably the majority of them that are right. So I, of things to be, of things to not like, I'm not saying I love that he still coached on the sidelines, but I'm more okay with that than some other things that that happened with this kind of stuff, if and, that makes sense. Yep, and you're right on Dan Mullen. I didn't, I didn't mean to say like he deserved it, but it's it's more or less he gets it and yeah the irony is good yeah no, no one is there, have written it better himself right it i mean it's it's just one of those things where, like you make a dumb comment and you get it i guess i i not deserve it but i don't really feel sorry for him you know because he makes those comments and then he gets it. it's like okay maybe maybe this is the wake up call you need that maybe you sh shouldn't stay shouldn't say stupid shit like what he did yeah, we'll see what he says going forward. I mean, I think he's commented on it in sort of like a generic press release. Kind he of tried way, to we'll backtrack it a little bit on now. Wednesday, but uh, even even then, I think that those are things that you just you know think before you say it. it like I should have said, like I should have thought about it before I said deserve it. So I I apologize. I should not have said it like that, but I don't. I guess feel terrible for him that it happened. To him, I'm glad he's doing okay. I don't want him to, to die or anything like that. It's just, it's very and, funny and to, to be me. fair, I mean, three weeks from now, he might have a different outlook on it after yeah. having it, too. If it changes so. his outlook, yeah, if it, it changes his stance on it and, you know, putting 90,000 people in the swamp, then that's then that's good. Um, but, yeah. My guess is, I, well, no, I should say, I, I'm not going to assume. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows how, what his thoughts will be three weeks from now. College game day next week is going back yeah. to, to Minnesota. I mean, this is – they hadn't been there in what – is this the 26th year of college game day, 25th year, something like that? I mean, they've been doing it's back this – back-to-back years now. They've been doing this a long time. Minnesota hadn't ever hosted game day until last year when they uh, – you know, last game of the regular season, they lose to Wisconsin. Now they're getting in back-to-back -back years. and they're, Was they're, it that one? For some reason, I thought it was the... I, I, I mean, obviously, you would remember better than I would. I thought it was the Penn State game. No, it, it, it wanted it there, and I okay. think that was... Gotcha. I think there was a big game between Al, that Alabama had that day. Um, uh, it, yeah, I think you're right. I, yeah, it's flooding back to me now. The, Alabama-LSU is what I, I'm thinking it was, but I can't... Yeah, for certain. It's, tough to, it's tough to ever be like, you know, Alabama. I mean, this yeah. year probably not, but most years it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Um, so they're coming back and they're they're hosting Michigan. It's a 18th versus 21st ranked teams in the country. It's the the week that the, the Big Ten. Brown jug. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a big. There's a lot at stake here in this first game. But then you see uh, Twitter bitching about, uh, oh, should have been Oklahoma State and Iowa State and. Uh, you know, because that's 17 versus 6. I'm like, okay, one, Iowa State already has a loss. This is a pretty big game in the the Big Ten to start things out because you have two, you have a Minnesota program that's probably second best in the West, only behind Wisconsin. Maybe they can compete Wisconsin this year and be that top team. And then you have Michigan, who's 
perennially a, a very good team in the Big Ten. Perennially the third best team in the Big Ten. <laughs> yes, but I mean, it, it, they're still a, no, I'm, I'm they're a good team. Um, and you got Jim Harbaugh and stuff, so I, I don't understand why there was so much uh, question questioning regarding this decision. I'm fine with it, but this is as you look at the Big Ten slate for this weekend. It is the biggest game in the Big Ten, is it not? Well, you don't think my Huskers playing Ohio State's the biggest game Sorry. with a chance to be close late in the fourth quarter? I know Fox' uh, pregame <laughs> show is going to be on site there, but no, I, unfortunately, I do not, Charlie. I, uh, I, I don't either. But no, I mean, it's, it's a big game, and it's, I, it, it, and it's in Minneapolis, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Now, even though it's in Minneapolis, and I guess also I should say, I, I don't know, since I know Minnesota and Minneapolis don't, or sorry, Michigan and Minnesota don't play every year. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming Michigan's won the most recent meeting, but I don't know that, have they? I believe they have, yes. Minnesota had it, then Michigan took it back. All right, so if Michigan has it, and I realize this may be slightly painful for me, to, but slightly painful, but you'll still like this in the end because it's a fun joke. But... And even though it's in Minnesota, do you think they will have the segment of Jim Harbaugh talking about milk and drinking milk from the little brown jug? <laughs> on uh, maybe, maybe that I, I could see them doing that at some point. You know, maybe like right before, you know, as they're they're making more of a preview of the of the game in probably like the third hour. Because also, I, I because I usually work late on Fridays, I miss a lot of game day. I. I keep forgetting it's three hours now. I don't think it should be that long. I think two hours is plenty. I think two hours would be plenty. I agree. I I think you are are right on that. But as I as we look at the but, big ten, yeah. I mean, to to what you were saying earlier before I started being a smart aleck, as I am, <laughs> you know, want to do at times. I mean, it is a big game, and it's going to be. I mean, I don't think either team's going to win the conference this year, but I think they're both good teams that have a chance to finish in the top 15, and if you want to do that and make a run at playing in the conference title game, you can't lose this one. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Minnesota loses, it's going to incredibly harm their chances to win the West. I don't think Michigan's going to win the East either way, but if they want to have a chance in November to still win it, they certainly have to win this one. Yep. I mean, we're both saying, I think, that Ohio State's going to win this conference. I mean, it seems pretty clear cut that they're going to Penn State I don't I'm sorry I just don't believe really in in them being able to take down uh Ohio State I want to see where they're they're playing at um it is at Penn State that is uh on Halloween Ooh, that so that makes it a little bit more interesting it does and well, so that's so that's uh, in two weeks then. it is yep so uh, oh, wow that is incredibly early in the season for those two teams to be playing yes uh, so we know where game day will be at in a couple of uh, after this next week here already. Um, I mean that—that's why they didn't pick Ohio State, Nebraska this week. <laughs> well, I mean they've been with Clemson before, so I—I um, I don't know, Charlie. I just think that if Minnesota can beat Michigan, they're only. They have to go to Maryland. That's going to be tough. They do have to go to Nebraska at the end of the year. That could, I, could Maryland be. might be a little bit tough. I I'm not. You know, you just maybe slightly homerish. I think Minnesota is probably going to beat Nebraska. I, but I, I think Minnesota will have more problems with Nebraska than they will with Maryland. 
I, I would agree with that. If Rashad Bateman had not come back to Minnesota, if he had not been uh, ruled to, to be eligible to come back, and I'm glad the NCAA did that for him and for whoever else has gotten that waiver, you know, because the Big Ten wasn't going to play. But I think that him and Tanner Morgan have a special uh, connection, and I think that alone, along with the stable of running backs that they have, uh, makes Minnesota for sure a, a threat to win the Big Ten West. Uh, they do have to go to Wisconsin this year. But I think they're going to beat Michigan because it's going to be in Minnesota. Uh, the the one thing I... I mean, college football, we know that home field advantage sometimes matters, especially if there's a big crowd. The fact that there won't be a crowd at this game does make me a little hesitant to say that Minnesota is for sure going to win against Michigan. But I think Minnesota can not only stay with Michigan, but they're probably a better team overall in the Big Ten than Michigan. Uh, I think it would go Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, then Michigan. Um, am I fair in that assessment? Would you put Minnesota ahead of Michigan, maybe? Or is Michigan still better? At this point in the year, I, I would not. I would put Michigan ahead. But when I say ahead, I like it uh, in like a, a 4A and 4B kind of way. I would basically put them at about the same level. And then obviously, whoever wins, I'm, I'm going to have ahead for the rest of the season. Man. Okay. But I, I think they're probably like pretty similar. I think Michigan is a little bit more talented in the way that they recruit, but sometimes that doesn't always show up, and I don't know if that's because Harbaugh's weird and goofy or what, but I do think, I mean, uh, I should preface this with saying, I don't remember who Michigan has on their offensive or defensive line. I mean, they might have like a first-round draft pick at one of those spots. But aside from that, I think Bateman is going to be the best player on Mm-hmm. And in a game that looks close, I would want to have the best player on the field on my side, so that works in favor of your Gophers. And like you said, they're playing at home. I don't know if that means as much this year, but it's still, you would still rather play at home than on the road, especially in the first game. Of the year. Yep. Um, so I think as much as I want to say Minnesota is going to be in the Big Ten championship game against Ohio State, until they can – I know they beat Wisconsin a couple years ago, but until they can beat them again and solidify themselves as the best team in the Big Ten West, I have to go with Wisconsin. So, unfortunately, we're going to get Ohio State and Wisconsin. I'm going to take Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Where are you going? All right, I'm going to preface this. If I remember right, I think I picked Wisconsin and Penn State the last time we did this. Yes. And my thought was... I think it's probably going to be Ohio State and Wisconsin, but I don't, as, as we've done this before on the Sports Lounge, sports lounge previews, where frequently you and I both have, like, Texas or Michigan in the playoff because we want to be different. It ends up blowing up in our face. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? I'm not going to have Wisconsin or Penn State. I'm completely different teams now. Ooh. So one of them's Ohio State. Okay. I, I do think Ohio State's going to win the East. I, would, I hope somebody else does, but I feel like that is the most realistic thing for either of the two winners. It's Ohio State winning because I think they're just that low. But I'm not picking Wisconsin anymore. Guess who I'm picking down of the West? Nebraska. Nope. <laughs> Minnesota. Not Minnesota either. I'm taking Iowa. Oh, fudge. I feel dirty for saying it, but it seems like, like every – Three to six years, Iowa has the year where they're really, really good, and usually it's a year where they're not 
talked about as much as other teams that are favorites. And I think with Wisconsin and Minnesota this year getting the credit. And I think they'll both be good this year. I think it'll be a close race between all three. Like this is going to be the random year where we're like, oh yeah, that was when that was when Iowa went seven and one in the eight games and then played Ohio State in the the Big Ten title game. Okay. And again, I think Ohio State will win the Big Ten championship. So is Iowa your surprise team then in the Big Ten this year? In the Big Ten, they're my surprise. Team. Okay, because I've heard Indiana is a potential surprise team. Uh, but it's it seems really difficult that Indiana will be a surprise if you have to because that would mean you're thinking you're going to beat either a Michigan or a Penn State to 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 truly be a surprise team they're going to have to beat yeah. at least one of those teams. Yeah, I mean like well yeah because if I remember right they went like either seven and six or eight and five last year like they were a decent team in a bowl game. Yep. So they're not coming off of three. If you're three and nine, I'm okay with saying, like, oh, they're going to go seven and five. Therefore, they are a surprise team. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I think Indiana's decent, but I think they're still going to be the fourth best team in the Big Ten East. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think mean, they, I, think I don't they think can that be better than Michigan. a surprise team. I think they can be better than Michigan State. I think Michigan State's going to be bad. Mel Tucker coming over from Colorado, that whole – the whole things with that, that – that was such a weird – uh, situation with you know Mike Dan uh, Tonio Mark D'Antonio. Yep, with him resigning yep. and then Michigan State. You know Mel Tucker. I, I think they tried to go for someone else uh, before that, and uh, Mel Tucker eventually took the job there. Uh, I think Indiana's good, better than Michigan State, and I think Michigan State's not going to be good for a little while, at least a couple of years. And in fact, I think you're right. I think there's one team that we need to pay attention to slightly. And they might not be good this year, but down the line, give them a, two or three years. Rutgers with Greg Schiano back at uh, back controlling that program. I think Rutgers is uh, ready for a turnaround. I think if this was the Big Ten that Nebraska entered in 2011, I might buy that. When they had a completely different coaching staff lineup, I think the way they've upgraded in terms of like coaches and the way they recruit and the way all of them have facilities, I don't think that bodes well for Greg I think if they were, you know, playing Tim Brewster from Minnesota and they were playing Tim, what's his name, from uh, Tim Beckman from Illinois and yeah, sure, yep. and uh, Randy Edsel at Maryland. Yep. If it was those guys, I think you could make that case and I would buy it, but I think the middle, the bottom, and especially like the middle of the Big Ten is a, a decade later from when Nebraska joined, is so much better. Mm-hmm. And I think those teams at the bottom, it's just like almost impossible to start treading water. Now I think he'll be better than, uh, God, I'm trying to think if he even was the guy mostly. Was it Kyle Flood? I've already forgotten his name. At Purdue? Or no, that's that's Brom. Or at, no, at Rutgers oh. that Shiano's replacing. Oh, yeah. It, 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 I, I it's re- irrelevant I mean, at this point. Shiano will be better than that guy. Yep. Like, I'll say that. I don't yep. think they will be, you know, the punching bag that Michigan's beating, like, 70 to nothing or whatever, like they did three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're – I think it's going to be rare that they're going to be better than, like, the 11th best team in the United so, uh, I, think, I think part of that is because, like, to really be good, I mean, with other sports it's different, but at football, like, you really have to invest and have, like, school and be, like, not just the athletic department, 
but like the athletic department, the school administration, like to really care. And I just don't think they care at Rutgers, at least not the way that like Nebraska and the other 10 and 11 original Big Ten teams do. That they will be like, no, we will bite off our fingers so we can win another game. <laughs> and Rutgers is like, yeah, when's basketball season start? Um, and Rutgers basketball this year on the men's side is going to be really good. They should have made the tournament. Li- they would have made the tournament last year. They're going to make it again this year. Um, so they do have that going for them, which is nice. Um, Mountain. So you again, you have Michigan beating Minnesota this week. I do think Michigan's going to win. Uh, sorry, I, I think Minnesota is going to beat Michigan. Okay, good. Okay, in, in a very, in, in like a really fun, good, entertaining game. Good, and that's on in, in part in defense, especially. Like I think the way that uh, the coronavirus, the way teams get practice is saying, it looks like it has more of an effect on defense than offense. So I think it'll probably end up being a shootout. And that is a game again that Kirk Herb Street and Chris Fowler will call on six thirty on ABC. Uh, they did not call a game this last week. I found that really weird. I don't know if that's if they were planning on calling a game and then COVID uh, postponements, cancellations, kind of factored into that. But they did not call a game for what it's worth last week. You're right. They didn't. I didn't realize that until now. I worked late enough on Friday that I didn't wake up until like 11.30 on Saturday. I was very So sur- I missed college game day where they talk about some of that stuff. And mm-hmm. Like I watch games but did not think like, oh, hey, where, where's, where's Chris Fowler and Kurt Herbstreit? So it was kind of out of sight and out of mind. Now that you mentioned that, that is kind of odd. I, I turned on North Carolina and Florida State just to check it out. And Todd Blackledge and uh, and Sean McDonough were calling the game. And they're great. I, I like listening to them, but I was surprised at first when I heard it. Uh, heard him talking because I thought that would be the game, you know, normally in that primetime slot that, that yeah. Kirk and, and Chris do, but it wasn't there. Uh, on the Mountain West side, this is Boise State's conference to lose. Boise State is a, such a superior team, but the fact that they're only playing, I think, seven games, maybe eight, does that mean that the Mountain West, that Boise State's going to be kind of squeezed out of potentially playing in a Power 5 game, especially if BYU continues to play as well as they have been as that independent? Uh, that's a good question. I didn't think of it that way because I, for, I, I forgot about BYU. Um, yeah, that puts a wrench. I was going to say that I thought, with, especially with UCF losing, that Boise State would be the team with the, the bid to the to one of the big bowl games, but I mm-hmm. forgot about BYU. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's going it's to be I think they could overcome that, but I, I don't think they're going to. I but, think it's I think it's going to be BYU still. But they are the best team in the in the Mountain West, and there's really no team that's going to compete with them, right? I I would agree with that, but also, like fair honesty, I do I'm not going to pretend to know as much about the Mountain West as I would the five power five. And it's 2020, so anything could happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for all I know, I mean, San Jose State's magically going to have some quarterback who's going to go. He's going to be the second pick overall behind Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other games featuring ranked against ranked teams this next week here. Wait, real quick. Yeah. I just want to mention one thing. That with North Carolina losing, that uh, a lot of people were saying they didn't deserve to be ranked fifth, and I think that's fair. But I'll be, you know, I guess some voters aren't voting for Big Ten or Pac-12 teams until they start playing. So I guess that's what you want to do, whatever. Yep. But 
if you look at like what Mac Brown's done, like even especially at Texas, in some ways, I mean, it's surprising that because Florida State's not been good and they lost to them. But in a lot of ways, this is kind of like a typical Mac Brown Texas year. I mean, outside of I think it was the last two years he had Vince Young at quarterback, mm-hmm. and the last two years he had Colt McCoy at quarterback. Where I think they lost like a combined three games in those four years, where they were like truly fantastic. But outside of having like all-time elite, would be the best quarterback in basically any other school. Outside of having those guys, it's like juniors and seniors. Mm-hmm. Texas was generally like a nine and three or a ten and three team that would lose to Oklahoma, lose some game they shouldn't lose to, and then like either lose a bowl game or lose a game to someone else in like a decent game. You know, he'd be like, "Man, they should have been better. How come they weren't better?" And I think that's kind of what they're going to be like with Matt Brown at North Carolina. Well, I don't think they will be as – I mean, they're, they're not going to recruit as well as he did when they were in Texas, where he recruited better than everyone except maybe like Pete Carroll at USA. And I think he can be really good there, but I think that I, – I, I don't think that they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're going 11-1 at North Carolina. But, they, but I, I think they should also be like, hey, guess what? North Carolina football end up going – like nine and three or ten and two with a with a weird loss, mm-hmm. like you should probably be okay with that based off like the last fifty years. They take on North Carolina State this next week. It's a battle of ranked teams. North Carolina State ranked twenty third. North Carolina ranked fourteenth. Uh, I believe North Carolina State lost their quarterback this last week. Had an air cast on his leg, so that's doesn't bode well. We're thinking North Carolina wins that game, right? Yeah, even with what I said, I do think they will bounce back to beat North Carolina State. Uh, Alabama's at Tennessee, so Nick Saban's going to beat up on another former assistant. I don't remember how many four, uh, how many games in a row they've won over Tennessee, but they're they're going to do it again. And Guarantano. Was, was there something that, like, I don't know if that was one year or every year that, like, if Alabama beats Tennessee, they celebrate by smoking cigars in the locker room or something? Ooh, I don't Anyways, know. long story short, they're, they're going to be smoking cigars next Saturday. I would imagine so. Uh, Gorantano, what the hell happened to him? Oh, yeah, he's not that That's good. <laughs> uh, then number 17, all, Iowa State. I mean, when Kentucky plays defense, I mean, we all know Kentucky's known for having the best defense in the country. Right. right. All right. Uh, and then number 17, Iowa State against number 6, Oklahoma State. That's at uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on Fox, Iowa State 3-1, Oklahoma State undefeated. Oklahoma State wins that game, right? I don't, it could be a preview of the Big 12 championship game. Could. I hope Iowa State wins, partially because there's a kid from our coverage area that was really good last year that is the second-string quarterback at uh, Iowa State now. Okay. But but also, I, I mean, since Nebraska doesn't play Iowa State anymore, I sort of have a soft spot in my heart for Iowa State, and I hope they win. I don't think they will, though. I think it'll be another game that'll be a shootout, and it'll be fun to watch. That as long as you can, if, if instead of being Iowa State and Oklahoma State, if you could pretend it's, you know, Ohio State and Oklahoma, it would probably be a game like that. You would be like, wow, this is great, but... But I think Oklahoma State's going to come out on top. And then there is one other one here. Number 9, Cincinnati at number 16, SMU. That's at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2. I mean, so this game, if the Big Ten and Mountain West weren't coming back, this game would probably be like a Saturday night showcase or something on on ABC. But it's not. Does Cincinnati... It would also be like when we were in high school, like the perfect... 
Thursday night group of five game where you're just like, yeah. oh my god, this is such a huge game. Yeah, it is. Uh, does S uh, does SMU upset Cincinnati? I think you've got a shot too. I don't think they do though. I think this is. I think this. I don't. I don't know what Cincinnati looked like fifty or sixty years ago, but I think this could be the best Cincinnati team of, of our lifetimes. This so, like, could I be the group of five representative year. over BYU even. It should be. I forgot that for some reason, because Cincinnati, when they were in the uh, in the Big East, that they they were able to get the Big East spot. And sometimes I forget that the that the AAC does not have that spot anymore. So I got that mixed up. But yeah, I think I think Cincinnati's going to take that spot because it's largely irrelevant. They are largely irrelevant. Sorry, Cincinnati, but that's. And they're going to play the third best SEC team in a bowl game this year. I don't know who's the third best. I would assume that Alabama and Georgia are the first. So they're going to play Florida? I guess Cincinnati's playing Florida in whatever bowl game that's going to be. Maybe Texas A&M. Or Texas A&M. That's a good point, too. Yeah, Actually, it might be. Yeah, I think you're probably right. There's a good chance it will be A&M. What a game that'll be. <clears throat> what a game. Uh, anything else, Charlie, that we need to get to that we haven't yet? Um, I think the, the, my Mac Brown Texas bit I said. So yep. I mean, aside from that, I guess this is going to be this is the first true like full college football weekend of the year. Where, well, I guess not full. There's a couple of the Pac-12 still not playing yet. But with our favorite college football, or our favorite Big Ten teams playing this weekend, mm-hmm. this is the closest it's been to full. And I think it'll be uh, it'll be this will be the, the closest it's felt like to a normal college football weekend. And it'll, yep. and it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I am as well. I hope that uh, I hope that things go off as smoothly as they can. Uh, we know that maybe we'll get lucky and both your Gophers and my Huskers will win on Saturday. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be outstanding. I will hope that's the case for you, uh, and we'll hope that Minnesota wins. But it should be fun. I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, I know we'll chat soon because college football uh, is. Uh, changing ever the so rapidly. Make themselves. Yes, it's it's fascinating. But I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, we'll we'll chat soon. Stay well. All right, sounds good. You too, buddy. Thank you. That's Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review. Uh, always appreciate his time, as always. Uh, so, what to unpack there? The Big Ten. Uh, I hope Minnesota beats Wisconsin. I hope they beat Michigan. I think they're they're good enough to do so, but. Who knows what happens in college football in 2020. But lots going on there. We'll wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast by picking some games, reacting to week six in the NFL, making picks for week seven, as we always do. That's coming up next here as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Time, as we always do during the football season, to... Look back at what happened the previous week in the NFL. Make some picks for the following week. So, look back at week six. Make some picks for week seven. Uh, the NFL games. Awkward start to this segment. Uh, no toddler takes this week. Noah still won't get on board with this quite yet. But we'll, but we'll get him there. I'm trying, folks. Uh, so, hopefully... Uh, sometime soon but we look back week six began no no thursday night game Eh, yep that's because bills titans got 
played on Tuesday. Bills couldn't play on Thursday. Moved to Monday night. Anywho, uh, we talked about this at length, at nauseum. The Atlanta Falcons picked Kirk Cousins off on the first play of the game, and it was all downhill there for the Minnesota Vikings. They lose 40-23. to Julio Jones over 100 yards receiving, a couple touchdowns in this one. Matt Ryan, 371 yards through the air, four touchdowns. The one bright spot for the Vikings, an absolute stud, a star wide receiver for the Vikings, the rookie from LSU. He is go- he's going to be a, one of the best wide receivers in football here very shortly. Just fantastic. Uh, let's see. Then uh, Tennessee Titans, they improved to 5-0. and They are one of three unbeaten teams in the NFL remaining. Uh, they beat the Houston Texans 42-36 in overtime. Tennessee led most of the way in this one, but Houston battled back and eventually took the lead. Now what's uh, got a lot of people talking in this one is that Texans head coach Romeo Crennel, after the, uh, after the Texans scored a touchdown, rather then go for the extra point that would have put them up by eight or nine excuse me yeah it was 36 29 and he goes for two to make it a two possession game didn't get it titans go down and score uh touchdown aj brown heck of a catch uh, from ryan Tanhill with four seconds remaining they tie the game up they win the coin toss in overtime. Derrick Henry catches a screen pass, rumbles 53 yards. He scores on a touchdown later in the drive. Two, er, 264 per, all-purpose yards. couple scores, over 200 yards rushing. I mean, he's fantastic. Just tremendous. But a lot of people give Romeo Cornell grief uh, about it, but I understand. I mean, it's kind of like it's a similar situation to what Mike Zimmer had the previous week where he wanted to go for it on fourth and inches to – ensure that Russell Wilson didn't have a chance to go down and potentially tie the game force overtime. Similar here. It didn't work out. I get it. Texans fans will be upset, but I understand the the thought process there. It just it didn't work out. And that happens. Uh, but the Titans win 42-36. Baltimore had their game in complete control over the Philadelphia Eagles. They had Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had a terrible first half. The Eagles had a terrible first half offensively. The Ravens were in control, and then the Eagles battled back. Had a, they scored a touchdown, had a chance to tie the game with a two-point conversion. It failed. They didn't get a chance back uh, to get to get the ball back. Ravens win 30 to 28. Lamar Jackson over 100 yards rushing in this one to go with 187 yards through the air. The passing attack not great for Baltimore thus far. But uh, Lamar Jackson, spectacular again. New York Giants get their first win of the season. They beat Washington 20-19. The Giants get a fumble recovery return for a touchdown with three minutes to go in the game. That gave them a 20-13 lead. Then Washington scores a touchdown. And Riverboat Ron, their head coach, Ron Rivera, he elected to go for two. Didn't get it, but he said after the game, I'm always going to go for the win. Uh, understandable there because the Giants weren't going to score touchdowns. So uh, a couple of head coaches try to go for two. It didn't work this week, but you got to like the aggressive nature, and Riverboat Ron has done this in the past, so it's nothing to, all that surprising. 
The Detroit Lions come off their bye and easily beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-16. DeAndre Swift over 100 yards rushing and a couple of scores in this one. Uh, Jaguars, they just looked very bad. And the Lions cruise to a victory. Cleveland at Pittsburgh was supposed to be one of the marquee games of the week. A statement game for the Cleveland Browns. And a statement was made by the Steelers. And that statement was, we still own you. They do, especially in Pittsburgh. The Steelers crush Cleveland 38-7. Minka Fitzpatrick at pick six early in the first quarter in this one that gave the Steelers a 10-0 lead. And that really set the tone for the entire game. Baker Mayfield uh, was pulled in the third quarter, but that was probably more so because of his ribs. And you just don't want him to get more injured. But this was just a terrible game all the way around for the Cleveland Browns. So, Pittsburgh looking sharp. Again, they are 5-0. That's the first time they're 5-0 since 1978. Only second time in franchise history. The Indianapolis Colts decided to spot the Cincinnati Bengals 21 points. And those 21 points were not enough for the Bengals to hang on for victory. Indianapolis uh, comes back to beat Cincinnati 31-27. Phillip Rivers throws for over 300 yards and three touchdowns in this one. Joe Burrow company played well early on except they were up 21 nothing a few minutes into the second quarter but it's it was not enough and it's just just bad uh but the Bengals are getting there they're competing joe burrow throws a pick at the end and uh, when the Bengals had a chance to drive down score a game-winning touchdown ultimately didn't work they fall to one four and one indianapolis appears to four and two this would have been a terrible loss for the colts had they lost this game. Chicago Bears beat the Carolina Panthers 23-16. Unimpressive win for the Bears, but they do get the job done. They intercept Teddy Bridgewater on his first pass of the game. In fact, four quarterbacks threw an interception on their first pass of the game. Teddy Bridgewater, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, and uh, let's see who's the other one here. It was someone... Oh, Cam Newton, who we'll get to in a moment. I don't know if that's ever happened before. But the Bears uh, scored a touchdown on that. and Back and forth game after that, but the Bears ultimately win 23-16. Snap Carolina's three-game win streak. Denver, speaking of the Broncos, didn't get, find the end zone against the New England Patriots, but did manage six Brandon McManus field goals and maybe it was the fact that the Patriots just hadn't practiced a lot in two weeks with all the COVID stuff going on. But they lose to the Denver Broncos 18-12. Cam Newton did not look uh, sharp in this game. Uh, the Patriots didn't look sharp overall. They are 2-3. and three. They're under 500. And for the first time at this point in the season, in a very long time, like since 2003, uh, it's been rough and they're they're in third place right now the miami dolphins have a better record than them uh, which is stunning both teams are two and three and speaking of the miami dolphins they shut out the new york jets which is not an accomplishment they win 24 to nothing jets are an absolutely dreadful team and all the vikings fans that want trevor lawrence you're gonna have to give uh the jets a sweet hell of a deal if you want to get Trevor Lawrence because the Jets have the number one pick locked up at this point because they are just so god-awful. 
what a game in Tampa Bay. Green Bay jumps out to a 10-0 lead. They have the ball. The, the Tampa Bay offense isn't doing anything. Then Aaron Rodgers throws a pick six, only the third pick six in his career. And the floodgates started open. Aaron Rodgers threw a pick on the very next possession. Buccaneers scored quickly to make it 14-10. And it was just all over from there. The Tampa Bay defense roughed Aaron Rodgers up all game long. Uh, Ronald Jones, over 100 yards rushing this one and a couple of scores. The Buccaneers score the final 38 points and win 38-10. to what a what a game, what a performance from them. A great bounce back after their loss to the Bears last week on Thursday Night Football. The San Francisco 49ers, they get off the schneid and win their first home game of the season, 24-16 over the L.A. Rams. 49ers started out er hot in this one early. You know, Short passes for Jimmy Garoppolo helped get his confidence up after being pulled the previous week against Miami. Uh, running game was good, though they do lose Raheem Mostert to a high ankle sprain so that's not good uh, more injury issues for the 49ers the Rams just really couldn't get much going on offense all night long Aaron Donald was very quiet on the defensive side of the ball and the 49ers earned the win 24-16 so the Rams 4-0 against the NFC East 0-2 against everyone else then Monday Night Football the Kansas City Chiefs they ran it 46 times for 245 yards uh, the most times they've ever ran it in the Andy Reid era. And or I think in Andy Reid's career. They saw something against the Bills. They exploited it. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 161 uh, yards rushing. He was very good, the rookie. Maybe uh, the Le'Veon Bell signing lit a fire under him. Josh Allen, ineffective, inaccurate. Was not very good in this one. The Bills lose 26-17 to to the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a good win for the Chiefs who need to keep pace with the Baltimore Ravens and the Titans and the Steelers to an extent as well. And then Kyler Murray returned to Arlington, and he's never lost at Jerry World. Didn't lose in high school. Didn't lose in college. Uh, hasn't lost as a pro. The Arizona Cardinals whip the Dallas Cowboys 38 to 10. Murray only completed nine passes in this one, but threw for a couple of scores. Had uh, also ran for one, and the, the Cowboys just look lost. Their defense is historically bad. They, it, it's just terrible. They're very. Yet the Cowboys are in first place in the NFC East at two and four. Unbelievable. Expect a better performance from the Cowboys here coming up in the in the coming weeks that does it for week six let's make some early picks for week seven it begins thursday night we do have thursday night football uh with an nfc east battle the one and five giants still in the mix for the division title against the one four and one eagles the eagles are absolutely beat up on offense miles sanders is out zach ertz is out dallas goddard's out wide receiver issues but I, I, I'm still going to take them, I think, over the Giants because the Giants just aren't that good. No one in this division's any good. But I'll take the Eagles barely over the Giants. Don't say that with much confidence. Green Bay Packers at the Houston Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. I'd love to see the Texans come through with one. I'd love to see Deshaun Watson win. I'd love to see you know J.J. Watt get after Aaron Rodgers. But I think the Packers 
will get back uh, focused after that beatdown they suffered at the hands of uh, Tampa Bay and the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whatever. Uh, I think Green Bay gets the win here. What a game. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. I think the Titans just got a little tired last week against the Texans. Short game, short turnaround. The Steelers team is good. This is a huge test. And this is a huge test for the Titans, too. I think, you know, a lot of people know that the Titans are good, but just how good are they? Taylor Lewan, their left tackle, is out for the year. This Pittsburgh Steelers defense is very good. Titans are a little susceptible. The Steelers' offense seems to be picking up a little bit. I'm going to go with the Titans, but I don't say that with a great deal of certainty at all. But we'll take Tennessee. Dallas Cowboys at Washington, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on Fox. Against my better judgment, I will go with the Cowboys. I think they are a better team than Washington. I think they're more complete. But the anonymous uh, Cowboys ripping the coaching staff, uh, saying they don't do anything, they're not prepared, they don't teach. Uh, that could spell doom for the Cowboys, but I'll take them for the win here. Ugh, this NFC East is just awful. Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Panthers are a better team than I thought they were. Uh, the Saints struggled a little bit, but hopefully they get Michael Thomas back. I think they get the win against the Panthers uh, to improve to 4-2, send the Panthers back under 500, take New Orleans. Detroit Lions at the Atlanta Falcons, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Lions looked good last week against the Jaguars. The Falcons was last week in uh, aberration. Was it a mirage against the, the Minnesota Vikings, or will this continue? I think it can continue. The Falcons are too talented of a team to be as bad as what they've shown. Uh, taking Atlanta here to beat Detroit. Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. I'm tempted to take Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I really want to. But the Browns, they need they need a bounce back game after the Steelers. This this is a I'm not saying it's a trap game, but if the Browns want to be taken seriously, they have to beat the Bengals. They have to beat the teams they should. The Bengals are improving. But the Browns should get them in this one. I'll take Cleveland. The New York Jets at the or hosting the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Do we really need to say anything? I mean, the, Josh Allen started the last two games. Definitely get well. Bounce back game for him. The Bills crush New York. Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. I want to take Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. That Seahawks defense is terrible. They, I think they will get Jamal Adams back. So that will help a little bit, but yeah, I, I got to go with Russell Wilson and the Hawks. Um, I hope Arizona proves me wrong, but got to go with the Hawks here, taking Seattle. Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Good for the Broncos to get that win last week in New England. Kansas City, too strong. I think that game against the Bills, uh, you get Le'Veon Bell involved in the mix. A lot of the good things can happen taking Kansas City. Jacksonville Jaguars at the L.A. Chargers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Jaguars are bad. The Chargers, 1-4, but they've lost a lot of close games. Uh, 
arguably should have won both each of their last two games against the Chargers and the or the, against the Bucks and the Saints. Chargers win this one easily. San Francisco 49ers at the New England Patriots, 4.25 p.m. Eastern, 3.25 p.m. Central Time on CBS. I don't know. I'm concerned with the way the Patriots look. I, I think the 49ers run game and everything that they throw in is... Uh, you're more than capable of getting a, uh, a win here and a good offensive performance. I'm going to take New England, but I don't say that with a great deal of confidence at all. Then Sunday night football, Tampa Bay at Las Vegas, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Raiders had a bye. They're ready. You know, John Gruden wants to beat Tom Brady. He always does. The Raiders' last, vic- or last game was a win in Kansas City. Tampa Bay might just be a, have a little too much momentum, though, after that win against Green Bay. They know what they're capable of doing. I think Tampa Bay gets the win over Davis. And then finally, Monday Night Football, Chicago Bears at the LA Rams, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. I'm not a real believer in either of these teams, but I have more faith in the Rams, I think, than I do the Bears. The Bears are one of the worst 5-1 teams I think we've ever seen taking the, the Rams to win this game. Teams on the bye, Ravens, Dolphins, Vikings, and Colts. Those are your Week 7 picks. For more, uh, for full picks, go to the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. We've had some issues uh, posting this week, getting in, uh, so uh, just keep checking back. We'll try and get the blogs posted when we can. Uh, so thank you for listening this week to the Sports Block Podcast. I want to thank, as always, Travis and Charlie for for joining me and talking uh, college football, baseball, Vikings, and, um, of course, we say rest in peace to Sid Hartman and so long to Doc Emmerich. Uh, legends uh, in the sports broadcasting, sports journalism world, Sid Hartman, 100 years old. He died on a Sunday where his he had a column in the in the Tribune, um, and Doc Emmerich, one of the best uh, play-by-play guys ever, and the way he called hockey was just fantastic. But it is what it, I mean. And Doc is not dead, but he's just he's retiring from the game. But two legends gone from the sports world. One hanging up the headset. One has left this earth but Sid Hartman le- lived a good life and um, yeah I never was I, n- I didn't read a lot of his columns but I certainly know the significance and importance of him in the Minnesota sp- landscape the sports landscape and he will certainly be missed uh, you can always find this podcast available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Travis Grins at Travis Grins, Charlie Hildebrand at CE Hildebrand, Facebook Nathan Stacken, a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We'll be back next week with more talk, maybe some more college football talk with Charlie, but uh, for sure with Travis, we'll talk about all of what's going on in the sports world. So for Travis and Charlie. I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. We hope you tune in again next week. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Tune in again next week for another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.